Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 137 for January 8th, 2016. Do you know how many times I had to practice saying 2016 instead of 2015? Because uh, I hate 2000. You change the date and then you're forever scratching out the 5 and making it into a 6. It's terrible. Anyway, welcome to Slamfire Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot McClatchy. And I'm Adriel the Hunting Gear Guy Michaud. Happy New Year. And that's Trevor. Hello. Hello. And Adriel, you have a cold. I do. Ha <laughs> ha. You're so yeah. supportive. <laughs> Suck. <laughs> Sick. What do you got that's a cold for? You're not allowed to have a cold. Don't you know you're recording a show tonight? Don't you oh, get a flu on. shot? Do you get a flu shot or are you an anti-vaxxer? No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just well, lazy. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I didn't get a flu shot. So can I not be somewhere in the middle? Are you sick? I'm not. Well, I guess it's working out fine for you. I'm perfect. I'm vaxxer and I got a flu shot, and I'm not sick. Well, perfect. Well, so what we've established here is we do whatever you want, and Adriel's going to get sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you guys have a good break? I had the bestest break. Yeah? Yeah. I did a lot of shooting and a lot of archery and a lot of reloading and some, made some arrows, and I got to see a whole broken arrow. friends. I did break an arrow just uh, last two nights ago. Well, I watched you break an arrow, too. Did you? Mm-hmm. Pulling nice. it out of a target and you snapped it in half? I don't recall. Okay. <laughs> I w- this happened, like, less than a week ago. <laughs> All righty. Oh, I remember now. <laughs> well, that's two arrows I broke See, this week. Tre- Trevor's, Trevor's got so many arrows, he doesn't even remember when he breaks them. He's like, yeah, whatever, just another arrow. Yeah, it's just another 15 bucks. No big deal. Yeah. I got a money tree now. It grows. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for asking, Matthew. My holidays were fantastic. Do you want to talk about New Year's Eve later, or should I? Or did What did we do New Year's Eve that was gun-related? Well, we blew stuff up. You got that's shot. That's true. And I got shot. That's right. And so, just about everybody at the New Year's Eve party was part of our gun family. Oh, that's they were, true. They were I guess we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Filthy. Bang my switch, Luke from the Bang Switch Boutique. Um, yeah, there's, everybody was either a gunny or a, a comic book nerd. So You know what's hilarious is everybody is now on the edge of the seats wondering how I got shot and wondering what the rest of this story is. Oh, well, we'll, we'll tell them next week. That's fine. Yeah, maybe at the end of the show. I'd yeah, imagine alcohol was involved. <laughs> no alcohol. What? At least not, not on him. my part. <laughs> now, Luke and I. Not the other guy. <laughs> Oh, there was no other guy. He did it to himself. Yeah, I really did. On the beach. Yep, on the beach. Great Same. times. So, Adriel, how was your uh, vacation, your, your two weeks off? Awesome. Shot all the shotgun shells. Shot all the shotguns. Are we, gonna, awesome. are, we doing, are we doing what we did in guns now, or are we doing, like, the break in general? Yeah, I was just asking you how your break was. 
I haven't talked to you in like Why two are weeks. You so, so structured all the time, man. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun just, to improvise. Just right down to the yeah. No, that's me. Um, <laughs> what did I do for the break? Uh, yeah, shot all the shotguns. Uh, I don't know. Went out to my parents' place, drank a bunch, hang out with friends, that kind of thing. Sounds like fun. Yep. Well, since we're on the topic of uh, you know being structured and whatnot, why don't you uh, tell us what you did, you know, gun related wise as well? Okay. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I um, the order. Yeah, I'm changing the orders. Tra- just, yeah. We just talked about how structure is not important. And in fact, you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I called your bluff for this. Uh, okay, well, um, Tactical Imports sent me a couple shotguns to try out. Um, so thanks to them. Uh, they sent me a Dagger Sap 6, which is a, a magazine fed pump action shotgun from Turkey. And uh, it takes these big old mags, and uh, it was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's kind of weird. It's uh, it's it's got this pump on it that doesn't lock forward, so um, the bolt just kind of you know you can just pull back on the pump anytime you want to. Instead, anytime you want. There's no lock. You can no. take it out of battery. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, how oh. what, what does it have like a disconnect on the trigger? So if it's not in battery, at least you don't blow out the side of your ejection port. Yeah, you, you're not going to hit the pin if you if you pull the trigger when it's when it's out of battery. Okay. Uh, but it's it's got this spring on uh, what would be the magazine tube, but it's just like the pump tube, I guess, on this thing. Um, and the spring pushes the pump forward and kind of holds it there. Kinda. So it's not it's it's not like a, you wouldn't like you definitely wouldn't want to use a shotgun for hunting or anything like that where you've got a shell loaded and and pulling back on it, it's going to be bad for you. But um, in in terms of like a range p- p- uh, shotgun, it was awesome. Um, just real fast. If you um, if you pulled forward and you can feel that there was no shell in the chamber, um, all you did is just just like pull it back. There's there's not no locks to deal with, right? Does um, it come with any kind of like warning? This is like an eight seventy. <laughs> be careful. No, or you just, I don't know uh, how you'd hurt yourself with it, though. I mean, if it won't good. fire, if it's not in battery, then you're not going to hurt yourself. It just you just have to. Well, know. I'm getting the impression that I so the spring is strong enough that I could hold, I could shoot this thing one-handed and not worry about the pump coming back and the bolt yes. coming back. No, the the spring's strong enough that where if you pull it back, you can let go of it and it'll go forward and and uh, load around. But then when you fire one-handed and you're not holding on to the pump, it would mm-hmm. cycle partially, wouldn't it? No, uh, I don't know. I never tried it. But that uh, is something you need to try. <laughs> I wonder if you bump toughness. fire this thing somehow. No, you could because you still have to pump it, right? You still have to pump it back and forth. And change you're not the build spring. A, change the spring on it. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try shooting it uh, one-handed at the next uh, range outing that I do. This, yeah, I want to. I want to hear about this. Just remember what we always say: they'll go to a friend's house instead. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't try it at home. Go to your range yeah, or yeah. friend's range. My buddies even better. To, to try it and video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, all joking aside, don't do anything you know unsafe. Yeah. Well, I mean, Unless the other on video. The thing with this shotgun is it's got a really short barrel on it. It's got a uh, 13, 11, something like that. It's like an eleven or thirteen inch barrel on it, um, and the pump is right there. So um, I don't know if you guys heard, but um, with the Caltech KSG, there's been a couple people that have had forens that they've put on that plastic rail on the bit of, on the bottom mm-hmm. of their, their KSGs, and they've been pumping their KSG. I don't know with a little bit too much uh, zest, and uh, they've ripped the forens off and end up shooting themselves in the hand. Yep, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard stories of that. Two people. Yeah. Um, so th- like that's a that's an issue that you know you need to be worried about, especially with those bullpup shotguns where you've got that really short compact package and uh, and your hand is so close to the muzzle. 
Um, on this one, I thought that that was going to be an issue, but then if you adjust that rear stock out a little bit, it changes your length of pull, changes where you're, what your left hand's doing. And, then, and after extending it a bit, um, I didn't feel like my hand was going to slip off. Um, they've got a couple of other things. You can put a sling on there at the, at the fore end, and that'll kind of act as like a hand stop. Um, or um, they've got a different pump, like a different foreign that you could put on that's railed, and you could put a hand stop on one of those if you're really worried. But just from adjusting the stock on mine, I, I felt that it uh, uh, it took away any worries that I had that my hand was going to slip forward of the muzzle, and you know I was going to blow some fingers off or anything like that. Well, but, that's good. Uh, oh, it was so so t- so take the the no lock and all that kind of stuff. Mag fed um, straight insertion, so no rock and lock. I've I've played around with uh, like the Valtro PM5. That one rocks and locks uh, into the mag well, and it it's kind of fiddly. It's it's kind of hard to hit that uh, that point uh, at the front of the magazine right. Um, whereas with these guys, it's very easy. It's a big bulky magazine. You ram it home, it locks in, and you just start uh, wailing away with it. And uh, man, is it ever fun to just like blow through a pile of rounds at the range with it. Um, I, I put a, it's got like a, a Picatinny rail along the top. So I pop my, uh, uh, vortex spark on the top and, uh, very fast, very quick to just kind of look with it. And, um, I think it, you know, if, if I was going to use one of those for three gun, I'd probably get one of their, uh, they have, they have some other ones that come with uh, different barrel lengths. Um, I think one of them is a 14 and one of them is an 18. Oh, let me see here. Yeah, they have a 14 and an 18 inch barrel option. I would go with one of those because they, they have chokes available, and um, that'll let me uh, hit, like knock down some of the steel targets that uh, are a little bit hard to knock down with a cylinder bore. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think barrel. I think just about any shotgun. I mean, you're so limited if you don't have the ability to change choke. Yeah, I agree. And, and if you don't have the ability to change a choke, cylinder bore is not your best option. I would say at least modified. Yeah, like yeah, if it's going to be fixed, yeah, you got to have at least a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I just find the the shot spreads just so fast if it's still under boy. It's just it's next to useless unless you're hunting grouse, you know, and really thick, you know, and it's going to fly up right in front of you, and you want as wide a pattern as you can get. Other than that, you you want you want to choke. Yeah, well, I can. There's one other use that I'll, I'll give you for for having a cylinder bore. If you're going to use this thing for home defense, um, mm, yeah, fine. that's true. And and keep in mind, so lots of people want to keep, use a shotgun for home defense. And in Canada here, you can't keep a pump shotgun loaded, um, uh, you know, that due to our safe storage laws. But you can keep a loaded magazine next to a magazine-fed shotgun in your safe. Um, That's true. So yep. for some people out there who are worried about like over penetration walls and that kind of thing, and they and they want to use a shotgun, this would be like one of the better options here in Canada because you. You're not loading uh, shot shells into a tube at whatever two in the morning. That's right. Or You're just right jamming there. a mag in and, and pumping, and, and off rip. you go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in in that scenario, uh, a cylinder bore is is absolutely fine. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, it was, then, you, it was, but then you got a one trick pony, and yeah. I know a lot of people well, that buy a yeah. shotgun just for home defense. And if you get it threaded, then then you can use it for other things. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they have those two other barrels that that take yeah. chokes and and come with chokes. So I mean that that would be the the way to go, I guess, if you wanted to get well, a little and, bit more flexibility. And and I mean it's not difficult to get a, a shotgun threaded for chokes. I mean I've had two done since I've been in shooting. Um, yeah, I've had several done. It's not hard. No, my first uh, modification to my 870 was to put on a Remington 18 and a half inch police barrel, and I went to a match. And it was a a buckshot on paper, and I think it was nine pellet, 
and they were going to score the best five hits. And at 20 or 25 yards, now granted, I shoot a little better than I did back then, but still, at 25 yards, nine pellets, I only had five on paper. Oof. And uh, I attribute most of that to shooting cylinder bore. So I ditched that barrel, went back to my 28-inch barrel, cut it and threaded it. And then I had my Mossberg 590, which I prefer the Mossberg 590 over the 870. But the one downside, and Matthew said that the second he picked it up, it's not threaded. Garbage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to touch it. I just get dirty. So, um, I so you got it threaded. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's tons of meat on a 590A1. And, and now it's one of the perfect shotguns, mm-hmm. perfect pump-action shotguns, in my opinion, anyway. 10-4. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so um, I don't know what else to do with this thing. Yeah, it, it comes with like a collapsible stock on it, so it, it fits in a really, really small uh, box. Or you know, if you take it to the range, it'll fit into a, a really small range bag or uh, or case. Um, it comes with the, the one I have had six round mags, but you can also get eleven round mags. Uh, so like, uh, I think um, TV Press Bass uh, Edward. I think he uses one of these, uh, and he has two 11-round mags that are kind of like joined. Um, so you think about it, he's got like 22, 23 rounds uh, on his shotgun ready to roll. That's a, that's a lot. That is a lot. Like that would be enough for most most stages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he doesn't – like the big penalty here with shotguns is is reloading time. And, and for him, it's like a, what, like a second and a half to, to swap mags over from, from ones that are coupled like that. So yep. – it's a really, really quick. It'd come uh, in nice for three mags. gun, eh, Trev? I believe so because because there's so much capacity. What you're going to lose in pumping, you're really going to save in reloading. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like for a, diff- a couple of different stage designs. Like, let's say you're shooting two whirly birds, and they've got like five uh, five plates on, on each. What's a whirly bird for? The it's a, it's a Texas okay, star. Good. Yeah, Texas oh. star. It's got yeah. like five plates on it. You knock them off, and they, it starts spinning, and uh, the idea is you want to you want to um, knock them off and keep knocking them off and not have to reload in the middle because you might give it time to start spinning a little bit faster because it's out of uh, out of balance, right? So if you've if you've got your five rounds and you can put five rounds on all all those plates, then you're good to go. And if you've got ten, even better because then you can go through two of them really quick. And that's that's one st- stage design that I've seen uh, at my three gun club is where we have uh, two whirly birds set up. And if you if your shotgun can hold ten rounds. Uh, you can clean it um, way faster than anyone else because as soon as you're taking that shotgun off your shoulder and, and popping shells in there, you're you're losing time. I can clean a Texas Star with a shotgun in one shot. Yes, you can. <laughs> I've seen you, know, you do sound, it. Sounds like this is coming from experience. Would you shoot in the middle? <laughs> That's what <Yep>. he did. <laughs> <laughs> no one said I had to shoot the plates. They just said I had to knock the plates off. <laughs> that got changed. Yeah. That's great. You know how we solved that problem, Adriel? How's that? We put a, we put a no shoot popper in the center of the uh, in the center of the Texas Star, huh. which also made you think twice about following that plate across the middle at the bottom. Yes, it did. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I like to uh, I like to get it where you can like knock one off and then it starts spinning and all you have to do is keep your shotgun on one spot and let the plates just keep falling past where you're shooting and. Yep. Uh, and just keep knocking them off. Also makes it easier sure. for uh, taking them, uh, restacking them right afterwards. That's true. They're on the same spot. It's too <laughs> slow though. You can do it faster. Twice, twice uh, this year in in 2015. Twice we lost a plate because we're in we're in Edmonton here, and uh, we we lost a plate off one of those things because uh, you know 
Um, I, I, I run a 26-inch Remington 870 with a full choke, and it knocks, it blows the plates way off into the middle of nowhere. And twice this year, we've lost them in the snow where it's taken at least 10 minutes to, to find like that <laughs> plate that's in the snow. They're white plates, right? That's right, it's, yeah. It's really hard to find them when we've got like a foot or two of snow, right? That's funny. <laughs> Um, the other the other shotgun that uh, Tactical Imports sent over for me to for uh, me to try was the Adler A110. It's a, a lever action shotgun. That's the one that uh, Australia was all up in arms about recently, wasn't it? You bet. Yeah, uh, the uh, Prime Minister actually banned the shotgun. Um, so there's they, they had a, a 20 inch barrel seven shot version. And they they turned around and they they did a, a just a regular four shot like in the magazine tube version, um, and that one started getting imported into Australia. And just the the, the I, I did some research on this for this article, and it seems that they're both now back available in Australia, even though they're all like up in arms about this being a rapid fire shotgun and very dangerous and not something that people should have having all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's um, pretty silly. The, the, yeah, and we know the old story. I mean, the good guys aren't the ones we have to worry about. So if you're importing these and letting good guys buy them, there's no issue. Yeah, exactly. Well, so uh, anyways, this yeah, this shotgun it was uh, it was really nice. It's got like a Turkish walnut uh, stock on it, which uh, on on you know is a, is kind of like a premium thing these days to get walnut uh, on on a rifle or a shotgun. Um, it's uh, it's lever action. It, this one holds uh, seven in the tube and then one in the chamber, so it's pretty high capacity. It's really lightweight, and uh, I had a lot of fun um, busting clays with it. Uh, we were shooting clays out at the at the range with a couple of my buddies, and it was really easy to keep this thing topped up because it had such a big uh, tube on it. And uh, at any time, you could just like you know crank the lever, fire a couple rounds, and uh, and then just keep topping it up as you went along. Uh, so that was kind of cool. That is cool, just like yeah. any other lever action, or even pump action for that matter. Yeah, just like any other pump action. Um, but this thing, like, it's got a, a, a nice slim forend on it, and when um, it might be, be different for some different people, but um, you know, when I when I use a pump shotgun and I pump with my left hand, I find the the front sight kind of waves all over the place. Whereas with this guy, your left hand is just staying static. And is holding the the shotgun steady, and then your right hand's doing all the action, so it's not flying the the sights all over the place. So it's a little bit easier to um, just kind of keep pounding a target, even though a, a pump action is faster than a lever. Yeah, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Yeah, and this one also came with uh, choke. So I mean, I tried I tried shooting clays with the uh, Sap Six, but because it had cylinder bore, you're not really gonna be hitting clays that far out. Um, whereas this one had, uh, I think it came with four. Yeah, four uh, four chokes. So I just picked a modified or something like that, and uh, that gave me enough distance to hit some stuff farther out with target loads. Very nice, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's it. I mean, the other thing I did over the Christmas break that has nothing to do with uh, with shooting, but has everything to do with this podcast, was I got a a better mic setup so that I'm I'm not going to sound like garbage because I think a couple people had mentioned that uh, my audio quality wasn't wasn't up to snuff. They, they, they basically said you sounded like crap. Well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just wouldn't have put it that way. I would have said, you know, y- you sound pretty good, but there's room for improvement. <laughs> no, <Nope>, crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a big boy. I can, I, can take, uh, I can take feedback constructively. So, yeah, what I did, I just went out and got a mic and got like a whole bunch of, uh, what is this stuff, like bedding material. Yeah, 
like this tr- like foamy Betty kind of stuff to just kind of the egg foam stuff, stuff. egg crate yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I record in a small little room. It's echoey, so I did. I put this stuff up to try to cut down on the echo a little bit. Well, I'll make sure when I edit to uh, to just kind of lower the quality of your feed there just a little bit, just to <laughs> just so you can match Trevor and I, because we don't want you sounding any better than we do. Well, you remember you remember what happened last time we podcasted with somebody who had a Yeti. I nope. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Trevor. Yeah. If if you're done, Adrian. yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Trevor, what did you do with guns this last couple weeks? Um, I went out shooting guns three times. Um, I took my Versamax to the range. First time out to the range this winter with snow. Hated it. Took a a friend shooting. Forgot the um, he- hearing protection in the truck. And refused to go back for it. I was like, no, we're going to go outside and shoot. I don't care if we're cold. We can't shoot in here without hearing protection, but it's a shotgun. And you hunt without hearing protection, we're going to shoot it without hearing protection. Yeah, so and long-barreled sh- shotguns really don't produce that much of a report, especially right. outdoors. Yes. Yeah. so I said, the heck with it, and that's what we did. And um, learning to adjust my mech size master... Um, I actually, uh, another shout out to Andy Shan. He was helping me uh, through text messages with uh, making adjustments. Like I would show him a, send him a picture of a shell and then I'd be like, all right, this one is, looks good to me. And he'd be like, yeah, you got it. And then the next one would look like it, I can't think of anything appropriate to say. It just looked really bad. And he said, well, how old are your hulls? Because hulls don't last forever. So if you're using hulls that have been reloaded several times, um, that could be part of the issue. So sure enough, I started to kind of, look for the hull that had the least amount of wear on it and uh it seems to be making a difference so i'm I'm kind of i have so many hulls that i can just literally afford to throw away the ones that look bad and only use the best ones so i got out there and i tested the ammo that i had and some of it looked really awful the crimp on it was just all mangled and twisted and the worst of the worst ran through the gun i was really happy uh all but um out of nearly a hundred hand loads all but one chambered. I had one failure to feed, so I'm satisfied. I continued to reload shot shells over the past two weeks. Um, I had one bag of wads that was gone, so I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm looking at what I have on hand because I, I, I don't know if the listeners remember, but I bought out a... You remember, Matthew. You helped me take it home. I we do bought, remember. We bought so much reloading stuff in one shot, Adriel, that it literally filled the back of Matthew's SUV. And there's a ton of different uh, wads. So I'm looking through the wads and the hulls and the powder and the primers and just trying to come up with any recipe that will work with the components that I have. So I've discovered another one that was almost the same using a um, Hornady Universal. No, it's not a Universal. Versalite. Hornady Versalite wad. So I'm loading up a whole bunch more uh, shot shell and... uh, until that powder's gone, and then I've got another powder of HS, a pound of HS6. I'm using long, long shot now, but I'm going to switch to HS6 and uh, and keep keep reloading it. It's a lot of fun. It's addictive to to sit at that press and crank out those shot shells. It's really uh, it's really a lot of fun. And um, then when I was in Fredericton to see The Force Awakens with Filthy, and if you uh, enjoyed the movie, 
and would like to have Filthy myself, Ken Kowalski, and Brian Bolivar ruin it for you, uh, go listen to the most recent episode of Modern Rifleman Radio. We podcasted about the movie. We were geeking out on Facebook, and somebody said, why don't we just do a podcast about it? So we, yeah, we totally did that. We did a Star Wars podcast because we are that nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good show. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I went back and watched the movie a second time after having listened to the show and made a point to, to look for the things that you guys talked about. And I saw some and not others, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Are you saying we embellished? No. What, well, maybe a little. Um, I'm, I don't want to get into it now because <laughs> okay. this isn't a Star Wars show. This is a gun show. <laughs> but, um, yeah. No, I, I'm hoping to see it a third time before it's gone. So, um, But Filthy and, and, um, and two of his friends, somebody that used to shoot with Filthy years ago, has been away for a while and has gotten back into it. Uh, we went to the range with him and one of his friends, and we had a, well, man, we had a blast. Um, he had the uh, MG, uh, MG-22, MG-42. It's the MG-42, but, yeah, the 22 yeah. version of the MG-42. Yeah, it's the GSG MG-42. They nailed the weight because I've held a real MG-42, and I, and I held this one, and they nailed the weight. And, I mean... You know, it's a twenty-two, and it's made to look like an MG42 on the outside. Uh, so it's kind of, it's molded in some cases. You know what I mean? It's not the real thing, but whatever. It's still cool, and it functioned a hundred percent. So uh, I was happy with it, and it was accurate. Um, but I've, 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 I've got a bone to pick. Like, how come we can have a GSG MG42, but we can't have the Mossberg Blaze 22 that comes wrapped in AK plastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's yeah. like what's the difference? Yeah, what's yeah, like the MG42 was the grandfather of all submachine guns or assault rifles rather, not submachine guns. It was an assault rifle. Yeah, a legit assault rifle. We can have this, but we can't have the Mossberg Blaze wrapped in. Yeah, we can we can have the granddaddy, but we can't have the grandson. That's right. Ridiculous. It is. He also dumb. had the. I don't know if it's a SCAR or if it's, uh, what's the other one that's a, like the SCAR, the ACR? Sure. So the twenty two version of, of that rifle. And oh, the ISSC, that one. That thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it ran, it ran flawless as well. Um, Filthy had his Glock with his Advantage Arms twenty two kit, and uh, we found a clay pigeon. I said, put the clay pigeon on the berm, and... Uh, I shot at it with the Glock. It took me a mag or two, and I finally busted the clay pigeon with his Advantage Arms 22 kit on his Glock, and he was watching through binoculars, and he saw the bullet in flight and saw the bullet impact the clay pigeon. <laughs> That's always cool. Yeah, very cool. And um, Filthy's buddy had a single-action 357 Magnum revolver there, one of the Uberti Colt clones. Mm-hmm. Very, very accurate. And after I uh, was shooting at the clay pigeon with the 22, then they all started to try it. It was something that they had thought, shooting a handgun at 100 yards, who would ever do that? And sure enough, he tries it, and he pops the rest of the clay and just the 38 was shooting 38 specials at 100 yards, and he hit the clay, and it was pretty wicked because Filthy could really see it come apart through the binoculars. Um, but I took this thing, and it was shooting to the right, and um, we were inside a building shooting at a, a a target outside at about 10 yards, and it was like, okay, I just shot two and a half inches to the right. The next bullet was an, was touching it to the left, and I, I literally cut a straight line all the way over to the X with, with six bullets before I got the last one in the middle. It was pretty neat. 
very very accurate gun. Of course, single action, right? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't a cheap one. I don't remember the model exactly, but it was it was very nice. And then um, probably the highlight of the day that day was I got to shoot Filthy's M three hundred five. He's had this rifle for quite a while, but I don't think he actually ever got around to shooting it or even to bother sighting it in. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I sighted it in for him. And it was a very, very nice shooting rifle. It worked uh, It worked well. He had some reloads that were kind of questionable. But his M305 is pretty much, well, the only thing left that's Nork, if I understood him correctly, is the receiver in the barrel. Everything else has been replaced with USGI parts, including a Vietnam-era fiberglass or plastic, I guess it's fiberglass, USGI stock with the hole for the selector. Oh, one of those Tapcos. No, not. no, no, you're kind of way off, yeah. Um, so it was neat, and so, um, yeah, I enjoyed that. And the reason why I wanted to shoot his was because I bought one, or I took one on trade, actually. I got rid of three handguns over the holidays. Um, I got rid of an SR9. I sold my um, my MMP to a wanker, and I took cash and an M305, excuse me, for my, um, my SIG P320. So... I was. I wanted to get out and shoot filthies. I'm glad I did. And then mine arrived, and my HKSFP9 or VP9 arrived as well. Um, and I got out and I shot those, and was impressed with those. My M305. I rolled up some kind of generic ammo. I just took um, H335 powder and some Winchester brass that I had already had pre-primed. And uh, the first shot out of the rifle, I hit an 8-inch gong at 200 meters with it. Nice. And it took me a little while to find it again, but then I was able to hit it like pretty much 50% of the time just shooting off of my elbows on a shooting wrist or shooting bench or whatever. So gun worked really well. And then Filthy took it home to the same gunsmith who built my Garand so that he could do the accurizing work to it. And um, what else? I got completely distracted by my lovely wife you pain in the butt get out of here uh, sorry guys um and then what kind the, of uh, the, accurizing are you doing to the m305 you name it um he's going to unitize the gas system i've already put in the new Oprod and spring he's going to do a trigger job on it he's going to lap the bolt um what else? I could literally read you the text message, but I'm not going to take the time to look it up. But I don't think there's really anything else left to do. Are you going to keep uh, it uh, iron sighted or are you going to run an optic? Oh, he's also going to work on the sights if they need to be worked on. I'm going to keep it in its current configuration for now. Um, long term, I'd like to drop it in a Troy, but there's some significant, two real disadvantages to going with the Troy chassis. Um, it's expensive and it's extremely heavy. You, the M305 is already heavy. I'm sure I've got a nine, 10 pound rifle out of the box without doing anything to it. And if I drop it in the Troy chassis, according to Nut and Fancy's video, it's a solid 15 pounds. So you're turning really into a bench. Heavy too. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns into a bench rest rifle. So I already have a bench rest 308 that's bolt action and a lot more accurate than this M305 will probably ever be. So I don't know what to do. Um, part of me wants to drop it in a Boyd's, so I kind of have a match for my Garand. I'm just, I'm just not sure. Um, okay, I mean, there's no point putting a Neotech on it. Oh, sorry, Ecotech, and <laughs> um, making it, you know, a three-gun rifle. It's just too expensive to feed for that. So 
Um, I could hunt with it with iron sights. I mean, if I can hit an 8-inch gong at 200 meters with uh, no effort, once I actually put it on paper, develop a load for it, see what the most accurate thing I can get into it is, uh, I could, you know, I'd have no problem shooting animals. My comfort zone on a deer with this rifle would be probably 100 maybe 150 if I had a range finder so I could be absolutely sure and that's yeah, with you irons could, you could probably do 200 like I was um, with my own the rifle could I don't know if I'd be yeah. comfortable I see yeah well it's the, the I don't know I, I really like the the peep sight setup on the the M305 like I've uh, I was shooting mine at 300 yards and just using like that garbagey Tula steel ammo that, that cheap stuff mm-hmm. and I was wailing on a gong at uh, 300 yards and it was uh, a man sized uh, target but very easy to hit that thing time and time and time again uh, at 300 yards. The the nice long sight radius that it has makes it really easy to uh, to shoot accurately. I don't know if the rifle is underrated or was just off of my radar because it was an Arenko and I'm a snob, um, but I am thoroughly impressed. I was thoroughly impressed with my T97, and I'm thoroughly impressed with this thing. Yeah, I mean, I uh, it it's difficult to scope them and... and uh, when you do scope them, there's a couple of other issues that come with putting a scope on them. But uh, as is, like I really like them with the iron sights and uh, and just stock ammo. It's it's just a lot of fun to shoot. And um, again, like the the accuracy is there enough, and and having them with the uh, with that nice long sight radius makes it very easy to shoot accurately. Oh, and the other thing, I think the barrel was over indexed a little bit. Now, yeah, uh, like that. Yeah, Fred looked at it and he thought, you know, in his opinion, it was very, very minor. Um, he said if it was really bad, that your your front sight would be way to the opposite direction to compensate for it, uh, and it wasn't. And I didn't touch my front sight at all. I uh, I literally took it out of the box, looked at the windage, and lined up the marks so that it was centered. Looked at the elevation and thought, I'm just going to crank it here and see what happens. Ding. <laughs> so the other <laughs> new gun that I shot that day. Uh, was the H&K uh, SF P9. And this was okay. I'm not super taken with it. It's not, um, it's overpriced. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of that $1,000 price tag is simply because it has the words HK in the uh, in the title. I mean, it's a $1,000 gun. It doesn't have true night sights. It doesn't have an adjustable rear sight. The ambidextrous slide relief looks like some kind of poorly designed middle school shop class project that was an afterthought um the ambidextrous slide release on the uh, sig p320 is excellent on the ruger sr9 the ruger sr9 has more features than the uh, hnk so it functions great it 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 has i mean the coolest thing about the hk is the way that you can adjust the grip side grip size that has adjustable side panels and an adjustable back strap. The mags right now are pretty much unobtainium and $90 a piece. Um, if I yeah, had to do it That was going to be the part I, I would ask about is how much the mags are, but yeah, you just answered about 100 bucks. And if I had to do it over again, I would have went with a, a, a Walther um, PPQ, a 5-inch PPQ. I don't like the Navy with the threaded barrel. I think it looks too much like a high point. It looks like it has a high bore axis. I know it, it doesn't, but it kind of looks like it. Um, you can get a 5-inch with the M2 version with the traditional style thumb button magazine release. Um, the trigger on the PPQ is better than the HK. So the 
BPQ trigger is probably the best striker fire trigger, but I don't have a problem with Glock triggers. You know, I know that I, I appreciate my 2011 single action trigger, or I did anyway, and the 10 fovial triggers and stuff, but I got a Glock 17 and a Glock 19, and I love the triggers on them. So I don't get all, you know, googly-eyed over an HK trigger or a SIG P320 trigger or a PPQ trigger. They're they're better, but they're not, like, don't kid yourself, it's still a striker fire trigger. There's still a little bit of creep there. There's more creep in my HK VP9 trigger than there is in my Glock 17 or my Glock 19. They're a little lighter than my, than my Glock 19, but, you know, whatever. They're not a $1,000 gun, in my opinion. And if you're looking at both, my nod is to the uh, PPQ. I've not owned one, but I've shot uh, two or three. And uh, I will probably get the Walther 5-inch PPQ to either go with my FN or, if I like it more, replace my FN. But it would have to be seriously impressive to replace my FN. So, um, oh, two, two, two final things that I did. Uh, I did uh, some casting of both 9mm and 40 caliber over the uh, break. And then finally got into uh, powder coating. And when you go on YouTube to figure out how to powder coat bullets, there's several different ways. Uh, some people are saying, you know, you can actually powder coat with the powder coat gun, but then the bottom of the bullet doesn't get done. You can um, put airsoft pellets in a plastic container put a teaspoon of powder in there, throw your lead bullets in, shake it up. And apparently the static electricity from the um, airsoft pellets makes the powder stick to the bullets. And then you dig them out one at a time with tweezers and place them on nonstick tin foil and bake them in the uh, in your wife's toaster oven. Uh, Andy Shan, who's been doing this longer, almost as long as you've been alive, Matthew, he's like, dude, it's just, it's, it doesn't have to be this complicated. He takes his, his bullets, he throws them in, powder in a plastic container no airsoft pellets nothing just throw the bullets on the powder shake it up oh wow would you look at that the powder magically stuck to the lead and then he doesn't dig them out one at a time he dumps them into a sifter the, the powder falls through back into the container and then he pours those powder coated bullets onto the tin foil he doesn't place them individually one at a time until he gets to like 144 bullets he just dumps them on the pan bakes them in the oven and lo and behold they come out perfect I did it one time. I, my OCD still wants me to stack them one at a time. But if you want to get into powder coating, just know that there's no one right answer. There's a couple of different ways to do it and experiment with it. And that's what I did. I tried the airsoft pellets. I tried no airsoft pellets. I tried just dumping them on the tray. I tried placing them individually on the tray. Um, how much powder is enough powder? I mean, you got to resize them when you're done because the powder does act like a jacket. It really does. Um What's great about the powder coating, so maybe maybe for people that don't know, when you cast bullets, you get a bare lead bullet with no coating on it. You cannot shoot uncoated lead bullets in your firearm. The lead will strip off way too quickly and build up in your rifling way too quickly, so you lube your bullets. Traditionally, the cast lead bullets have been lubricated with wax, and you apply it with a lube sizer. It sizes the bullet and uh, applies the wax through a pressure system. Look up lube sizers on the internet see what i'm talking about there's another type of casting that the bullet comes out with little ridges in it grooves and those grooves are for liquid alox or alox or alox it's uh, looks like uh, caramel you put it in a container you throw a handful of bullets and you shake it up and that stuff sticks 
next to the bullet, and that's lubricant. And it works really well, and it's quick, but it's dirty. It gets on your hands. Your hands are sticky. Your resizing die is sticky. Your reloading equipment is sticky. The the gun is gets gummy. I mean, Fred does it. He loves it, whatever. I mean, it looks. he calls it his black powder Glock. He shoots lead cast bullets through his Glock. He doesn't care. Keeps it clean. Like, he literally cleans it after every session. Well, I've seen him do but anyway, I don't know if he does there every time, but um, so there's a couple of different ways, but you just don't throw lead bullets into your barrel without some kind of coating on them. Powder coating yeah, the, eliminates um, the hot wax, which is also thick. Yes, Adriel? Sorry. Uh, yeah, the, the Alox, the other, the other bad thing about it that I found is is when you're uh, seeding the bullets, your your seeder gets that Alox and that gunk built up on it, and you start having to uh, adjust your um, depth because it starts to build up on the inside and you have to clean it out. It's just nasty and it, it it slows down the reloading process and it makes it so that reloading nine at least for me reloading nine mil isn't worth it if I'm if I'm having to mess with that stuff all the time. You're right. And then the first time that I reloaded cast bullets for Matthew and I um, didn't know. And not only was the wax building up in my die and my sh- overall length getting shorter after you know five six hundred bullets, the wax was building up in my case gauge. So all of a sudden, I had these bullets that didn't want to go in my case gauge. I thought, what? My Lee die, or my uh, Dylan die must be garbage. Oh, well, I guess I'll replace it. So I ordered an Evolution Gunworks 9mm undersized die. And there's nothing wrong with the Dylan die. The case gauge was full of wax. So, you know, I was very, very new. I mean, I had only been reloading for about three, four months at this time, maybe even less than that, and didn't uh, I didn't do enough reading. It's my own fault. You know, when you want to get into reading, it's no joke. Or when you want to get into reloading, it's no joke. Read as much as you can and read public. I don't mean read the forums. I mean read the published data. Get some how-to reloading reloading manuals and, and books and read them. So, so anyway, the powder replaces all that. It's a little time-consuming, but it's a lot cleaner. So you've got bullets that literally look like they've been spray-painted. You put the bullets with the powder on them into the toaster oven. They bake for 15 minutes at 400 degrees. I take them out and I dump them straight into a bucket of water. It immediately cools them down, and then I can immediately start working with them. So I've got um, well over a thousand 40 caliber bullets ready ready to load. I did some testing with them this fall. I don't know where I wrote down the powder charge. I know it was tight group. I don't know what the powder charge was, so I'm not going to do any reloading with these projectiles until I can get on the range with my chronograph and, and confirm the, the powder charge and then I'll be ready to go. And it doesn't take long to reload on a Dylan anyway. Um, so, and I've got 2000 jacketed bullets to, to use as match ammo ready to go. I don't plan on using this powder coated stuff for matches, not for a while anyway, not until the jacketed stuff gets too hard to get. Um, we've lost, uh, we lost our two, the two I've, I guess I've lost the two, uh, projectile suppliers that I used to go to here in the province. Both of them have kind of stopped selling it. So uh, when my stuff runs out, it's really expensive to ship. So I think I'll be switching over to uh, cast bullets almost exclusively, I guess. But uh, it seems like a ridiculous. You get a you know a two thousand dollar ten folio and you're putting homemade cast bullets through it. I guess if they work. But anyway, um, and then shot lots of archery in preparation for the uh, 3D tournament that's happening here locally on Sunday so um, yeah that's uh, there you go that's my two weeks Matthew yeah. how about you uh, I did a lot less than you did that's for sure 
But uh, I was that wanker that bought your M&P9, so thanks for that. Oh, was that you? Yeah, that was me. Sorry, dude. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, body gun, M&P9. Um, you've heard Trevor talk about it before, so I won't say too much. Um, I ex- want it back. Yeah, well, you may get it sooner than you think. I uh, Compared to my Glock, I don't like it. Oh? No, I like the I, I was... I was not sure when I first picked it up. I was like, okay, great. This is a way more comfortable gun. I'm going to like this way more than my Glock because that's what everybody screams. Oh, the ergonomics are just so much better on the M&P9. Well, not to me. They're not so better, yeah. No, to to me, uh, the, the, the big back strap is the one that I like. It fits my hand the best. And uh, it it just doesn't fit my hand as well as the Glock does. The Glock fits my hand better. And uh, I like the trigger on the Glock better. Uh, mind you, I've only been dry no firing question. it so far. Huh? No question. The uh, Glock trigger is better than the MMP trigger. Yep. MMP trigger is creepier. The reset is awful. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Trevor, while, uh, while I'm talking here and you're not, maybe you reset your modem or something. You're breaking up really bad. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to end up sticking with the, the Glock overall, but uh, I do like it, and I am going to take it out to the range, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to be shooting it a little bit, and maybe after I shoot it, it will actually, you know, it may change my mind. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe once it's actually being fired from me, I'll uh, I'll see something different than I don't see right now. Uh, but funny story, well, not really funny story, interesting story. Um, I, uh, I I picked this up. I have it. Uh, I got a, a temporary ATT uh, to bring it uh, home. I picked it up from Trevor's when I was over there, uh, and uh, I had to get an ATT for that. But I wanted my annual ATT because, you know, 2016 is here and 2015 is over. So I, I sent an email to the chief firearms office and said... Uh, what do I need for an ATT? I know the rules have changed, but I'm not sure. Do you still need a copy of my range membership? And they wrote back and said, well, some PALs have the condition attached already. Give me your PAL number and I'll let you know. And I, I, I know that I don't have it attached to mine already. At least I don't think I do because I don't have the piece of paper that says... Can I make a prediction? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, never mind. It's your... <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, uh, I'll just tell you. Yeah. If I was right, your your internet connection is terrible, Trevor. Just absolutely terrible. I can barely understand you, but uh, I did I did get what you said. Um, so anyway, I I contact them and and they write back and they said, well, give me your PAL number. So I send it back to them and they wrote me back and said, you're good to go. You don't need an ATT. It's it's a condition attached to your license. And you know, initially I'm like, okay, great, off I go. Then I went, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure I still need that condition on paper that I'm supposed to carry with me. And so I write them back. Do I not need a piece of paper stating that this is that this condition is attached to my license? Because it's not written on my license anywhere. So, and you know, w- what say you to this? And uh, I haven't heard back yet. So next week I'll let you guys know what they say to that. But uh, yeah, no, they, they were prepared to just let me go to the range without any piece of paper other than my, my PAL, which... I'm sure wouldn't be an issue because if it is in fact a condition attached to my license, you know, anybody who pulled me over and, and decided that they wanted to check my ATT, they would just simply have to call the CFO's office to confirm it. But, um, you know, I'm not happy with that. I want, I want to be able to produce that, that uh, documentation on site right then and, and stop the shenanigans before they get started. So anyhow, 
that uh, that was sort of sort of an interesting story. So I'll let you guys know how that goes um, next week. Hopefully, I will have heard back from them by then, and I'll I'll let you know what they said. All right. Well, let's move on to some upcoming events. Trevor, it sounds like your internet's cleaned up there a little bit. Why don't you uh, share the upcoming events with us? All right. The first one is the first annual Ronnie DeGroote Rock Out with Your Glock Out Steel Challenge. Uh, it'll take place at the Rescue Gun Club on the 4th of June, 2016. After that, we're off to uh, Ontario for the 6th annual charity shoot in support of Soldier On. That'll take place on the 25th of June in Kingston, Ontario at the Brockville District Fishing Game Club. If you're interested, then contact New Shooter Canada. Check out the events page on Facebook. They picked up yet another sponsor, our uh, friend of the show, RJ, who has um, a training class now. I believe it's called FAST, which is an acronym for something. Probably F. Fast, fast shooting technique. Fast arts something, and there might be a cheap shot in there. Uh, One of us, I probably probably. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I really wish we could cut all that because I don't want to show. (laughs) I don't want to show any disrespect towards RJ whatsoever. He's doing an amazing job out there. Um, He's giving his classes away. He's not doing this to make any money. He's sharing all the knowledge uh, that he's acquired over the last couple of years. He's been a training machine. He's gone to Mag Forty. He's taken uh, trauma claim trauma. Classes, Train, yes. Training, yeah. 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 Well, I think yeah. you've sucked up back enough to him there okay. now. A little well, bit. I just want the listeners to know if you're in, you know, the uh, Ontario and you're looking for training, look them up. Yep, I would uh, concur with that. And, uh, yeah, so um, if you're interested, contact New Shooter Canada to go to the uh, charity event. It's going to be It's going to be awesome. It is. I'm looking forward to it. So let's move into the news then. And uh, Adriel, do you want to bring us this first one? Yeah, this one is kind of cool. Um, so Wolverine Supplies has had this uh, CZ958, um, at least prototype, uh, out for a while. And uh, the whole idea here is that this is an improved 858. So the 858 762 by 39 magazine-fed, semi-automatic uh, from Czechoslovakia. What is it now, Czech Republic? Yeah, I think it's Czech Republic, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, what what they were trying to do with it was uh, give it a, a railed top because um, one of the things with the uh, the eight five eight is is getting a, a an optic on it takes some you know extra parts and that kind of thing. So this uh, this nine five eight has a, a railed top. Um, I believe it's a skinnier receiver, um, a little bit more ergonomic to pull magazines out. And uh, they just got uh, approved with uh, non restricted FRT. So. They're going to start producing those, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure when they're going to get in country here, but um, it's uh, positive news at the least. So it's kind of cool that uh, more of these cool rifles are coming out and, and coming up to us in uh, Canada. Absolutely. Very cool. Uh, this next one is uh, a story from uh, Winnipeg. Uh, apparently, a woman is in stable condition after an alleged attack by her common-law partner, whom she had a protection order against. So look at that. She had a protection order, and he ignored it. So the man faces uh, murder and kidnapping charges, and the police allege he forced her into a vehicle, assaulted her, and then deliberately crashed into a parked vehicle. Well, aren't you guys glad she had that piece of paper to protect her? Mm. There's no other option, right? I mean, basically, it's a piece of paper or nothing. Well, a restraining order is just a piece of paper. Yeah. Have you ever played rock, paper, scissors? Like, yes. it almost never wins. 
<laughs> That's funny. But uh but yeah, no, this is just another perfect example for, you know, a case for for ATC, really. If if you if 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 you're still against law-abiding citizens carrying a gun for self-defense, you need to look into it some more because uh, time and time again in the States and in other countries where it's legal, it saves people's lives, saves people from bodily harm, and uh, stops crime very, very effectively. And uh, it just goes to show that a protection order just is not enough. Well, it would have been nice at least to have the option, right? Like maybe this this lady wouldn't be comfortable with her. Maybe she would, but... Um, at least she no, would have like, had the choice. Yeah, like like she didn't have the choice. She just had to get this piece of paper. That's the most the law could afford her. And and um, you know when push comes to shove, she has to call the cops. And oh, guess what? The cops are uh, five minutes away when she needs the when she needs help right now. And, That's too uh, far. And this guy kidnaps her, right? Yep. Mm, yep. Terrible. All right. And uh, this last one. Um, this is, uh, you know what, uh, Adriel, why don't you take this one too? Because I think you have, uh, you put it in and I think you have a bit of background on it anyway. Well, I, th- I think maybe by the time that people see this show there or listen to this show, they might have heard of it. But um, this was uh, Obama's call for uh, for more gun control. And, and this time it seems that he's going to um, put some sort of executive uh, order in uh, in power to try to, uh, to try to limit things out. Um, because he hasn't been getting a lot of luck with Congress. Now, the the way I see it is that he hasn't really been trying all that hard to work with Congress on on getting some uh, acceptable. Um, you know, one of the things they were talking about was background checks, and uh, and I think the way that um, Obama has been uh, approaching it, he just hasn't been you know working with Congress, and that's why he hasn't got anything passed. Now, the thing about um, what he would like to do is that it sounds like he's going to try to push it through as an executive order and. Um, you know, here in Canada, this this doesn't have as much uh, play. But down in the states, they they have a, this, uh, a constitution that that speaks very clearly on how Congress and executive are supposed to work. And when you end up with executive that's um, making these big sweeping uh, legislative changes, it it can run into trouble. And this is, you know, um, uh, Watergate, for example. Hey, that there's an executive that's got power that's kind of run amok, right? He ends up spying on a bunch of people. And that's why there is this separation of power and why those uh, systems of checks and balances are set into place. So it's a little bit worrying that uh, that he's trying to do all this stuff um, without approval of Congress, right, just on his own. Yep. Yep. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it and report back. And if any of our American listeners have any additional insight on this, we'd love to hear from you. So send us an email. Well, yeah. what's well, this mean, about – sorry, Adriel. What's this yeah. about tears? I saw I – saw, a snapshot of him, like crying. oh, he was he, he cried during the. It speech. was the full production. He was crying. He had people like all around him who had been uh, victims of gun crime and this kind of thing. So I mean, it was uh, so it the, was a so, production piece. So the leader of the free world cries cries during speeches. Yep. Um, yeah, we don't need strength in leadership. We need emotional leadership because that's what gets things done. Emotions, so, you know. Yeah. When we're always saying that. Our side, for the most part, tries to use facts and reason, and we often accuse the antis of being emotional and irrational. Well, here's the biggest anti yet best gun salesman ever. Um, <laughs> being crying. as emotional as you can pop- possibly get. Yep. Yeah. 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 It appeals to his base. To my American friends, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, why don't we move on to the main topic? Oh, uh 
Uh, one more. I, I just almost forgot there. Um, Ruger announced a new pistol there. Oh, the, that's uh, right. Ruger American right. pistol. Um, yeah, like I needed another polymer gun. Thank you. <laughs> Was this going to be like the big brother of the uh, SR9 or something? It was kind of funny how this happened because um, they ended up being sold at stores before Ruger had time to make their announcement. And uh, so the, I saw it on Reddit. There was a there was a post where someone had bought one of these things and <laughs> it's like there's no announcement. There's no nothing. It's like, yeah, I just bought the new uh, Ruger American pistol. It's like, the oh. new what? Yeah. <laughs> You're making this up. That's Photoshop. Daniel yeah, Shaw. To announce it or something, Daniel, but... Shaw, Daniel Shaw's already put a, a video up. Yep. And it was like, yeah, meh, it works. I don't <laughs> hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what he said, right? He did have a follow-up one where he said that uh, it was pretty good. Still still not the perfect gun. He's not going to go out and buy one for himself, but it was it was a good gun. Yeah, he's more excited yeah. about the VP9 than I am. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think uh, Military Arms Channel on YouTube, they, they did a more thorough review, and they had some complaints about the, um, uh, what, the, like the crotch of the pistol up up towards the top was a little, it was like squared off, so it was mm-hmm. like uh, beating up that's his knuckle. Called, that's called the throat of the grip. I like crotch better, but anyway. <laughs> Put your hand um, your gun and, crotch. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, that, that sort of squared off, abomination that they call a beaver tail there it's it's just it's not right when you put your thumb up in there it's going to it's going to hurt it's not going to be comfortable wrapping your hand around that gun properly interesting Um, that was one of the first things i noticed when i saw a picture of it i was like that would i would be taking a file to that or sandpaper if that was mine to to round that off to make sure that it was comfortable to hold i did that with my open gun it had to be deep dehorned if you will dehorned yeah yeah basically that's it it, this gun is well horny (laughs) <laughs> Way to go! Good for you, Matthew. Good for you. you. You don't usually go, you know, take it down. That you know what it is? It's that it's leftover effects of when you played Cards Against Humanity. Maybe that was a terrible game. Hilarious though. The, well, it's funny because that, that Ruger American pistol, the front of it's so sexy, but yeah, the back is just too horny. It's it, it's all chunky. Oh man! <laughs> all right, now now can we go to the main topic, please? All right. Well, we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about what we would like to achieve for this year and not not what not goals per se like i want to buy the new ruger american pistol but just not a goal but anyway it's sure but we want to talk about what we'd like to achieve maybe maybe there's a performance improvement we'd like to see or maybe we'd like to get into a new discipline or or something along those lines so we're just going to talk about what we want to achieve this year and uh and and i'm gonna i'm gonna kick it off because why not i've got a i've I've got a short list of things that i want to do and the first one is uh, i want to start a dry fire routine i haven't really ever quote unquote religiously applied myself to practicing uh with my handgun I can't afford to go out and shoot live ammo at the range, uh, not to mention it's a, a good 35-40 minute drive for me to get to the range. Trevor, shut up, I know yours is further, but uh, still, I don't have that time to go to the range, and, and like I said, I don't have the money to, to shoot live ammo hundreds or thousands of rounds, so you know, next best option is dry fire, and that's practically free aside from time, yet I still, I never really did it. I have a few times when Ipsic season rolls around a couple of weeks before, you know, first couple of matches, I'll, I'll get the belt on and, and, you know, practice a little bit before I get out there just so I knock the rust off. But I've never really, 
gotten it, gotten down and actually tried to try to improve anything really. So that's one thing that I want to do this year. Um, and then the other thing I want to do is I want to develop a high speed and accurate load for my axis. I've got a really accurate load right now. It's not very fast. So I want a high speed and accurate load. So I'm going to be basically sitting, reloading ammo, playing with different powders, and then going to the range, shooting them, chronographing them, checking my targets, that sort of thing. So I figured it'll take me probably at least all year to get all of that done. Can I, I've got two suggestions for you. if you Please, yes. Okay. So with regards to your dry fire routine, I put a, a link in the show notes to uh, Ben Stagger's book on dry fire. Okay. It seems to be among practical shooters the um, the most popular book on dry fire. It's called Dry Fire Training for the Practical Pistol Shooter. I know Tommy is a big proponent of this, and there's quick little things that you can do in this book. He suggests literally something like no more than 15 minutes, but 15 minutes every day. Right. Um, at the bottom of the Amazon um like when you click on that link, you'll see at the bottom there are two other books um, from Ben as well, Skills and Drills, and then another one on practical shooting. And ben Stagger also has uh, this one. His third book is called Fundam- Fundamental Techniques and Competition Skills. And you know how we feel about fundamentals, right? We're always right. talking fundamentals. Yeah. So he has a clear-cut understanding of what the fundamentals are, and he does an excellent job at explaining them to you and trying to guide you through doing what you need to do to improve your fundamentals. So Ben Stagger, man, look him up. He also has an excellent podcast that I've started listening to recently. So shout out to Chris Babes from Ontario, Ipsic Shooter, friend of the show. He uh, He's turned me on to that podcast, and uh, I've been picking up quite a bit. So the next thing I would like to suggest is uh, Benchmark. Um, our uh, Ed Wilson, buddy of mine, who uh, who writes me about the show once in a while mostly to make fun of you guys um <laughs> no. uh he's he said that um he's had a number of 223 rifles that he has been able to shrink the group size down to a half inch or better using uh benchmark so interesting you, yeah, yeah you can't get enough varget in a case to get the the right amount of velocity that you should be getting out of a 223 Varget is an extreme powder, right? That's why we like it. That's why we kind of went to Varget. Oh, it's not temperature sensitive. Well, Benchmark is also part of this extreme powder line that Hodgkin puts out. So you don't have to worry about using it in the winter or the summer and it being affected by temperature. And It's a bit more expensive than Varget, but it's a premium powder and seems to be the uh, the number one powder when trying to get the most accurate load out of a 223 as possible. Excellent. Well, I will try to track some of that down and give her a shot. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, um, it can be had. Um, Green Diamond, Bass Pro. Um, these are these are two locations in New Brunswick where uh, it's been pointed out to me where it's there. Luke Luke Sheru, uh, he delivered two two pounds of it to me at our at our New Year's Eve party. Very nice. So that's what I've switched to for my rifle. Uh, my rifle's twist rate seems to uh, stabilize a 50 cal or 50 cal i wish a 50, <laughs> a 50 grain projectile quite well even though i've got uh oh i think i've got 340 grain projectiles so i'll experiment with those two uh and benchmark 
Um, but I probably, I want, you know, I, I always, why do I like 76.2 over 556? <laughs> because I like the knockdown power of the heavy bullet, right? Drive yep. a heavy bullet as fast as you can. That's right. So if I can, um, if I can, I'll, I'll stick with a 50 grain over a 40 grain and, and see if I can drive it. So I'm, I've got the same kind of, uh, ambition as you, and that's to develop an accurate fast load for my 223 rifle. Cool. Well, seeing as you're talking, why don't you carry on with uh, some of your other ambitions for this year? Um, well, sadly, just after we just, like, it's kind of, I wanted to become a range master, but I had that rug pulled out from underneath me, so now I'm kind of floundering and need a new uh, a new thing to try and achieve this, this, uh, this summer, other than, uh, you know, I'm still working towards putting on what I hope is going to be the best SummerSlam ever because it's the 10th anniversary. But, uh, frankly, I'm distracted and uninterested. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really got nothing, man. That's all right. You don't have to. You're good enough just the way you are. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. We, we'll move on to Adriel. Uh, what do I want to get, get better at? 2016. Okay, so 2015 was the first year I... I competed um so i'd like to get into more types of competition i didn't do my black badge in 2015 i really wanted to um so i'm hoping this year to uh to get my black badge uh certification certificate whatever get one of those um compete in a couple of ipsic matches and in my three gun matches i'd like to um at least two or three of them i'd like to be in the top three um there's you know it depends on who's going to show up and yeah their their performance is is getting better as mine is so you know that's you know that's a moving target but uh, i'd I'd still like to be in the top three for let's say three matches can i Um, can i jump in on that adriel sure wanting to be in the top three and understanding how to get the top three are two different things if you Uh, don't let me expand on that goal then um, okay. I need to get better on my shotgun um, and not fumble my shells. I don't know what that's going to mean going that's, to a mag-fed shotgun better, right? or because, uh, fill it in. Yeah, go ahead. No, well, you're, you're on to it. And if you don't choose something like that, then you don't have a goal. You have a wish. A goal without yep. a plan is simply a wish. You don't, and, and so instead of saying I want to be in the top three, I want to improve my, my um, shotgun fundamentals. And it, improving your shotgun fundamentals may in fact put you in the top spot. So don't say I want to be in the top three. I want to identify where my shortcomings are in my game, fix those, and in doing so, you may end up first. So don't short sell yourself with, I'd like to be top three. Find out where your game is lacking, identify the fundamental needs to be corrected, develop a plan to improve it, and then beat everybody. Yeah, I think uh, I think all I have to do here is just buy a new shotgun, right? That's, um, that's just, basically that's it. Uh, so, Matthew, were you listening to anything I said? <laughs> no, not a thing. I'm I'm going to put more Varget in my cases. That's what I'm going to do. That's the way to do it. And uh, I'll probably just make up my own dry fire routine. <laughs> uh, okay, well, but it's so rare so- that I hate. It's so rare that I hate both of my co-hosts at the same time. <laughs> Yet here we are. Sorry, Adriel, carry on. Here we are. Um, yeah. So. Um, that means, yeah, not fumbling as much with my shotgun. Um, I had some jamming issues this year that uh, that that really caused me some pain. But uh, I hope to have, have those fixed uh, for next year. And uh, the other thing I'll I'll need to work on uh, is um, my pistol accuracy for long range. Um, and that's just again that that comes down to fundamentals and just practicing trigger pull, sight picture, 
and uh, and putting a lot more rounds downrange. So I've been uh, I've been going every odd Tuesday down to Phoenix and uh, and practicing my handgun there. So I'm hoping to do that more uh, this year to get um, to where I can put that target far out and I can hit it. Even if I need to take a lot of time, that's fine. Just to where uh, my accuracy is a lot better than uh, than it has been in the past. A good way to start and finish your practice session with your pistol is with what we call a hard focus on the fundamentals. So you start with group shooting at uh, 20 or 25, and you finish with that. So your your practice session starts with trying to shoot as accurately as possible at 25. And it's not about speed. It's about slowing down and only taking perfect shots, pressing the trigger correctly when the sights are lined up correctly and focusing hard on the front sight when it's lined up at 25. Then do whatever other drills you want to do, and then leave on the same drill that you started with. Another hard focus on the fundamentals. Start at 25, leave at 25. What you do in between is uh, determined by what skill you want to improve. And going to the range and turning money into noise is an effective practice. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So look up some drills. Find out what the drills are supposed to help you improve on and print them off and take them with you and do those drills at the range. Don't just stand there and shoot at a target. Do something productive that serves a purpose when you're out there with your handgun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, a lot of what I've been doing, um, well, and what, what a, lot, a lot of what I did in 2015 was um, watch a YouTube video, pull away one thing, and try improving that one thing at the range, whether it be sight picture, focusing on the front sight, or whether it be um, adding pounds to the trigger until it breaks. I and, love that uh, Love yeah, it. And, Oh, it, yeah, it, it made the, a world of difference. You, you described like turning money into noise. Hey, I've, I've owned pistols for 10 years. I have been garbage with them up until this year, or uh, 2015, right? And then the only reason is because I wasn't, um, well, you know, 10 years ago, there wasn't really much of a YouTube and, and people showing how to, you how to do things on YouTube. But um, now I'm practicing. Now I'm like actually putting uh, skills and technique into it. And I'm not just blazing away at a, a dirt berm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm putting holes in a target. Nice. So I want to do more of that this year. Picking, picking that one thing is also a good strategy, Adriel. It's good that you, that you do that because you can't like as an instructor, Matthew and I will walk up to somebody and we'll see three things wrong, but it's overwhelming to tell them to fix three things at once. So mm -hmm. we'll say, all right, you know, we may, allude to them and, and minor correct them, but we're, we're, we're going to pick the biggest problem and focus on that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, if I'm reading a, a non-firearms related, if I'm reading a business book, I'm not going to read the whole thing like front to front to back and then uh, try to apply everything. I'll pick out one thing at a time and I'll try applying that and I'll see what that does and see how I can get better at that. I, I just, I, I treat shooting as the same, you know, I, I pick out one thing that, uh, that I'm doing poorly that I need to improve on. I look up some techniques on, on trying to improve it and I focus on small steps at, at a time that are addressing one specific issue. Cool. Anyways, that's, that's what I like to do with 2016. So yeah, if I'm placing top three or, or, or top with uh, three gun at the, at, uh, towards the mid or, or end of 2016, I'll be a happy guy. Hmm. I guess I do have something, and that is um, work with Matthew to develop a um, curriculum for our training classes. We've got some uh, a rough outline of what we're going to do in Alberta, but I'm looking forward to refining and finalizing that, pro that process, going out, delivering the class, and then sitting down 
debriefing. What did we like? What worked? What didn't work? And where are we going to go from here? Yeah, I like that. That's getting exciting. I'm I'm liking the idea of Matthew and I delivering classes um, throughout the summer and uh, and getting getting around and doing it. Not just not yeah, just here. And, it's a great you know, way to kind of see the country too. Yeah. Well, there's there's enough demand out there for it. So I mean, there's there's absolutely a lack of supply on training classes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, I, I also want to get. Um, you know, we're recognized by the province of New Brunswick as uh, Ipsic Black Badge instructors, but I'd like something else to take to the table, whether it be um, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights develops a, uh, a training program or uh, an instructor program, kind of like what the NRA has. I'd like some other kind of, you know, are you, uh, are you an instructor because you call yourself an instructor or is some organized, recognized uh, body or association acknowledge you and, and give you credentials the the matthew trevor association of shooting pistols has qualified us as as instructors hmm. so okay <laughs> that sounded official right <laughs> no <laughs> well you know the funny thing is a lot of people use their their um trophies as credentials but it just because you can yeah. you can shoot really well yourself doesn't mean that i wouldn't the take driving teacher, lessons right? i wouldn't take driving lessons from a formula one racer <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like there, yeah. there's a difference between competing and then the actual skill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Adriel, I got into coaching archery because. Um, Whoa, archery! All right, I think it's time for listener feedback. <laughs> All right, finish your story, then we'll do listener feedback. I got. I I saw shooters helping shooters who had the the um, great intentions, but lacked formal training in how to instruct. And before I stepped up and said, you're doing it wrong, which is what I wanted to say, but that's not constructive, um, I thought I better, get, I better go out and get a piece of paper. So when I stick my nose in and say, have you tried it this way? And they turn to me and go, well, what do you know? Well, I went out and got trained and you didn't. Now step off the line because you're actually, you're actually doing more harm than good. You know, I had, a, I had uh, an individual stand with his back to the archer and demonstrate something in front of his chest and said to the archer, now do it like this. And I said, excuse me, but he can't see what you're doing. He's standing behind you. And he replied, oh, he knows what I'm doing. So apparently this archer had x-ray vision. You know, that's kind of what I was up against in the beginning. So. Fantastic. Yep. I just feel better with a piece of paper that says, this guy has been trained by this group to, you know, this, right. this piece of paper certifies that he knows what he's talking about. But yeah, anyway. And not everybody with a piece of paper can, you know. You're right. All right. Well, how about listener feedback then? I like it. All sure. right. Uh, Adriel, you can read this first one, please, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, this one is from Aaron. It's to Matthew, so um, just think like I'm Aaron here. Uh, I'm looking at purchasing a rimfire scope, and I would like your input. Specifically, I'm looking at this one, Hawk Sport Optics Sport HD 3 to 9 by 40 uh, it's been discontinued, so my decision's a little rushed. Although it's a cheap China-made scope, the features look good, and the reviews in various places have been good. More info. I'm putting it on a beautiful Savage and shoots 54 Sporter. Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a TAC driver, so the old Browning 4X it sports is the current limiting factor. I know it's an expensive rifle, and I'm looking at cheap scopes, scopes less than $150 US. But I inherited it, so I don't uh, assume I can afford, or don't assume I can afford more. 
Although I have saved for more expensive optics on my hunting rifles, I rarely hunt with a twenty-two, but may in the future. Uh, and then he has a couple other questions here. Sure, we'll let's start with his first one. Yeah, um, I've never heard of this this scope, and uh, I have never used it or looked through it. So I am sorry, but I can't offer you any advice regarding the scope. What advice I can offer you is uh, three to nine is fine. That's a, a good a, a good uh, variable uh, zoom range. Uh, by 40, seven. what? Two to seven. Two to seven is also good, but he wants to use this for uh, shooting uh, targets at the range, it seems like to me. Oh, He's he, not going to yeah, be hunting yeah. with it, so I would say the higher magnification is better. Forget I said anything. That's Sorry. okay. Um, if you want, you could look at like a, a 2.5 to 10 or maybe a 3 to 12. Uh, you know, don't don't worry about the higher magnification, um, you know, for, for target shooting. The higher the magnification often... Is the better because you can see your target. But that being said, make sure you're not getting mag- not buying magnification in exchange for quality. I would much rather shoot with a high quality two to seven than I would with a low quality three to nine. So bear that in mind. Um, another feature that you will want to look for is an adjustable objective, uh, or often it's called a parallax adjustment. Um, it can either be side parallax adjustment, or sometimes it's called uh, parallax focus, or it can be on the front bell. Either or, it doesn't matter. They both work very similarly. Um, but what that lets you do is it lets you put the reticle and the target on the same focal plane, and that eliminates parallax, and that eliminates a lot of your shots that you might think are flyers when really your cheek just wasn't in the right spot. If you can eliminate the parallax, the while it's always important to have good shooting form, it will become slightly less important because you have taken out that one variable. So do look for a, a scope that has that. There are many scopes in the 150 US range that uh, will have these features, and uh, I think you'll be happy with any of them. Just uh, like I said, don't don't buy magnification over quality. Try to find the highest quality glass that you can get in that budget. Yeah, it matters a lot at that 100 to $200 range and yep. is, is getting something that's good quality. Um, he has a couple of other questions here. Uh, what are your thoughts about BDC reticles? Since this one is matched to 1300 FPS at 9x, I figured I could lower the mag to match standard velocity or subsonic. Yeah, I have no problem with uh, ballistic, ballistic, BDC, ballistic drop. Drop, drop. Yeah, bullet. It's, not, it's bullet drop. Bullet drop compensating reticle. There you go. Bullet drop compensator. There it is. I knew it was there somewhere. Um, yeah, I love them. I've, I've got them on many of my rifles. And once you, and, and the thing is, you don't have to worry about what it's matched to because you can make your own cheat sheet for each line. So say this one's set for, you know, it's matched to 1,300 feet per second at 9 power. Well, say that's not what you're shooting. It doesn't matter what you're shooting. Shoot whatever you want. Shoot it at different ranges. See where the bullets are hitting. And now you have your own cheat sheet for what each notch on the reticle is doing. And so you don't have to worry about it. Oh, this one's 100, this one's 200. Well, maybe yours is 150 and, and, and 300. It doesn't matter as long as you know what the distances are. So, yeah, definitely get a BDC if you can get it. Yeah, I'm just looking this up. Yeah, it's Savage and Shoots 54s are, are such a thing. That's kind of interesting. I mean, the, the uh, uh, Anschutz 54 action is a, is a well-known action. I just I didn't know that uh, Savage made one of those. Yeah, neither did I. Cool. Hmm. I think I think if it's the one I'm thinking of, um, there's a couple of different manufacturers that put their name on it alongside Anschutz. Um, there's a one here locally in town that the local gunsmith is working on trying to get a magazine for it if it's the same rifle that is um, hmm. 
the good news is you can get the magazine from Great West Gun Parts. The bad news is it's a hundred dollars. Wow. I yeah. mean the uh, the Norinco NS522 is a is a model uh, is an Anschutz 54 action clone, but it's probably not uh, compatible with it. It's just a clone of the action itself. Um, Matthew, have you had any experience with Hawk Optics? I think you mentioned that. I, um, yeah, no, not yet. I've read it had better quality than the Nikon P22. So besides that, do you have any better suggestions? Uh, he said he he said better clarity. You said quality, but that's okay. Clarity, we so, understand yeah. either or. Um, if it has better clarity than the P22, then it's going to be quite clear. The P22 is a very good very good scope. Uh, the only other one that I would suggest would be uh, the Bushnell AR line. I really like it. It's one of my favorites. It's not really a target scope, though. It's more of a hunting slash tactical scope. But it has all the features that I want, and it would have all the features that you want, and it would also, it has enough variations that you would be able to find the magnification that you want too. It would come in two to seven or three to nine, and I think there's a couple other magnifications it comes in as well. So you could pick and choose that way. So maybe have a look at the Bushnell line as well. Um, but if the online reviews are saying that uh, the Hawk optics are good. Just make sure you don't just read one review, read several, and if they all tend to agree that it's a, a good quality optic, then I would not, I wouldn't hesitate to get something like that. Then, you know, I, I say go for it. And and best of all, you can be the guinea pig and write back to us in a couple of months. And let us know how it's going. We'll learn from you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trevor, you want to bring this next one from Sharp ninety seven? Sure. Did we? Um... Did we talk about the uh, Nikon P22? Did anybody say anything about that? Aside from the fact that uh, it's a pretty good quality optic. Okay, because I have it. And uh, Well, why don't you talk about it then? Um, if you say it's a pretty good quality optic, then we're just going to move on. The <laughs> It comes with um, not a BDC, but I guess sometimes they're referred to as target turrets. The turret is set for... High velocity, 22 ammunition, 22 long rifle ammo. So if you zero the rifle uh, at the 50 meter mark or yard mark, whatever, uh, then you can rotate the dial to 75, 100, 125, and so on. So um, yeah, that's a that's another way of doing it instead of having to be. And I like that. I like that. I think um, because it's just simply. And I know you love my archery analogies, but I'm going to give you one. Speed. If the speed doesn't change, the distance between your marks won't change. Right? I sighted in my, my bow for three different distances. And then I changed my peep height. And changing your peep height changes a couple of things. So my first mark on my sight was no longer on. Okay? I adjusted the sight for 20 yards again. And I moved the needle on the back of the sight to that first hash mark I made like there's as you move your scope down you're increasing the elevation and trajectory of the arrow because you're holding the bow higher as the sight goes down so the um, all I although I moved my peep sight when I when I sighted the bow in for the 20 yard mark again I didn't have to sight it in for 25 yards and I didn't have to sight it in for 27 yards because the gap to, to uh, compensate for the arrow drop at those increased distances didn't change. The gap didn't get farther or closer together 
because the speed of the bow didn't change. Yeah, so, but you're going to get the same thing with a ballistic drop reticle because the same thing. You're just moving the whole thing. The distances between the hash marks aren't going to change. So whether he's doing it with a BDC reticle or whether he's doing it with the target turret, the same thing, the same principle applies. You're right. I never, I never thought of it that way. I, I figured that, you know, the distance to the next mark may not work with the speed of your bullet, but if it does, it does. Yeah, you know, it's your sighted in at the first mark, the second mark. Well, yeah. Here, here's my take on it: the the target turrets are just that target turrets. Oh, now see, I looked at it for hunting. I'm like, hmm. Okay. I would much rather have a ballistic drop reticle for yeah, hunting well. because I would just move my eye line to the next hash mark instead of having to adjust my scope. I just simply elevate the rifle slightly. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to start cranking on a turret if you don't have to. But that being said, it's per- personal preference, I would think. Uh, and some people really, and I know some people like this who really like the main reticle, the main crosshair. And, and if they aren't able to use that main crosshair on their target, they don't seem to shoot as well. And so if that's the type of person you are, then yes, I would definitely say get the, the target turret instead. Mm, I'm mostly with you um, on the uh, your opinion that it's a matter of personal preference, but I think there is actually, like you know, for lack of a better term, a tactical advantage in just going to the next line of the reticle. You're not moving anything. You're not coming off of the target. You're not coming, you're not taking your cheek off of the comb. You're not reaching your hand up and, and cranking on a dial and taking your eyes off the animal. You're just simply staying and moving the point of aim. Well, the other thing to consider there is that uh, on a cheap scope, the reticle lines aren't going to change. Those are etched into the glass. Whereas if you crank up or down on a cheap scope, your reticle could move more, less, it could move to the left or the right. I mean, that's one of the things you pay for with a, a much more expensive scope is really good tracking so you can trust that when you crank it up eight clicks, it's going to go up two inches at, at 100 yards. Um, but, you know, on, on a cheap scope, it could also go left or right or less or more or, you know, all yeah. these other issues. Yeah, yeah, that is that is something that you do get with quality. You're right, is uh, is better tracking. So, yeah, the hopefully radical, that radical stays the same, right? So I mean, yeah. if if you if you've tried it and that that line, the next line down, you know, it hits at a hundred, it's gonna hit it at a hundred. There's nothing that's gonna change on it. That's right. Ready for sharp ninety-seven? I am. Hey guys, hope you're all well. I was wondering, is there any way of getting legal advice without calling the CFO's office? Well, you could call a lawyer. Well, I mean, the, the CF, I mean, you have a question about something, and the CFO may be the one to answer it, but legal advice is if you're in trouble with the law. But anyway, uh, say if I had a basic NFA membership. Now, I don't know if the NFA basic membership includes legal advice or not, but the Canadian Coalition for Firearms writes they do have a legal program. The information is listed on their website. Um, NFA, if they have one, I'm sure the information is listed on their website as well. Also, when testing handgun ammo, what size groups should I be looking for, say, at 7 yards? All the best, Sharp 97. Um, well, what size group? Uh, I don't know. Uh, two inches? Um, at, at 7 yards? I think the answer is as small as possible. Yeah. That, that's going to change with your skills. Yeah, the, would... the, group, the group that I can shoot at 7 yards is probably tighter than the group that Matthew can shoot, but the group that Matthew can shoot is probably tighter than the group that Adriel can shoot. And the group that Pat Harrison can shoot is probably half the size of the group I can shoot. 
Um, so it also depends on what gun you're shooting. It also depends on what ammo you're shooting. It depends on a lot of factors. Not as much as a rifle. I mean, you know, we'll all the person. Yeah, well, it still as, does factor in. We, I, saw, we saw an ammo effect in your Glock, no question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's uncommon. It is uncommon, but it is something to bear in mind. Um, yeah, it's like Trevor said, as small as possible. And don't and I mean, don't. I mean, if you, if you're looking for a benchmark, it's like, oh, okay, when I get to this, it's good enough. Well, that's fine, and then you know you don't have to be the best at everything that you go at. So, Trevor, don't put your coach's hat on here. You know, I would say at, at 21 feet, if if you can keep it inside of say five inches, that's that's accurate enough for for self defense. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I sent him a picture of my um, the group I shot with the HK, and it was at roughly 21 feet, and it was all 10 bullets in the same hole. Right. So it can be done. Yeah, I've been shooting handguns since 2011. Yeah. So what size group should I be looking for at at 7 yards? So ultimately, yes, you can put all 10 bullets in the same hole at 7 yards in time. Yeah, I I would say that'd be the ultimate goal and just keep working at it and just don't be happy until you get there if that's what you want. And if you want to be happy at, you know, a different arbitrary number, pick your number and aim for it and go for it. Work at it until you get it. As some people have said, you know, um, when it comes to black patch, if at 20 yards you can't keep all 10 shots on a 12-inch pie plate, keep practicing before you come out. That's that's a benchmark. Yep. You know, can you do that now? What are you What are you getting now? Sure, maybe is a good idea, but maybe he doesn't want to tell us until he knows what's what's you know acceptable. So right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, here's the thing: if you're not shooting competitively and you're just shooting for fun, it's whatever you want it to be. So shoot until you're happy. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a benchmark, it's all in the same hole. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> One right. jagged hole the size of a loony or toonie. There you go. Or soon to be the $5 coin if you're really sloppy that day. Are they really coming out with that? I really hope they don't. They are. It's coming. Oh, it's, it's terrible. A, a wolf with a moon in the background or something. I don't I don't like coins. <laughs> so 90s. <laughs> a yeah, wolf it is. howling at the moon. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I had see- a tattoo. I had a tattoo of a wolf. Howling at the moon, and I got it in the 90s. It's long oh, since sweet. gone, but yep. Remember those awesome sweaters with wolves on it, Howling at the Moon? You could do anything oh. in one of those sweaters. St- <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> They're still out there, depending on the trailer park you're visiting. Uh, this next one's from James, and uh, he sent in a picture of a street sign that said, Frosty loves cocaine. Sweet. Seems so, to me, but yeah. I'm glad I have such a refined taste. Great. So drug testing for hosts now. Yep. <laughs> the next one comes from Aaron, and it's a video titled Canadian Skeet Shooting that has people shooting skeets, right? Skeets? Uh, yes. Yeah, they're shooting skeets uh, ho- like hockey pucks. Like they're, He's got a little ramp and a hockey stick, and he's, he's wrist-shotting these skeets up into the air while his friend is shooting them with a shotgun. I thought it was actually two ladies. Was it two ladies? I thought it was a guy and a girl. I haven't watched it, but I thought somebody said that it was two ladies. But okay. It could be a guy and a girl anyway. I watched it, and it looked like a guy and a girl. I'm not saying it was a guy and a girl. I'm just saying, to me, it looked like it was a guy and a girl. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. So there's yeah that. i got a ramp that's angled and uh, knocking the clays in the air like a like a wrist shot. and Because um, you couldn't do it with a slap shot. You'd probably break the clay. So wrist shotting them in the air and then uh, take them out with a shotgun. The only way to shoot skeet in Canada. That, that, well, that, well, that's one of the ways. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Trevor from James. Hello. Hello. I hope you all. <laughs> no, no. <that's, laughs> I'm not actually saying that to you. It's James saying hello to us. Hello. 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 
Hello. I hope you. <laughs> I hope you all a happy new year. That's what it says, right? Yeah, it says, I hope you all a happy new year. I think it said, I hope you all had, but that's not what it says. We did, actually, James. Yeah, I hope you all had a happy new year. May it bring you, or okay, now maybe it's, I hope you all have a happy new year. May it bring steady hands and more permanently napping groundhogs. (laughs) Thank you all for the great show. Squirrel moments and all. You have a great group of hosts and a good community of fellow podcasters and guests. I was wondering what the app you had mentioned in a previous podcast, the Sound Sensitive Trigger Timer app, if you recall what it was called. Anybody remember? Yeah, Major, I do not. You, right? IPSC Shot Timer. IPSC Shot Timer, okay. Yeah. Keep our north safe, and remember, always protect your nuts. Best regards, Jim. P.S. You got my sideways thumb last time. This time, you get five American gold stars. Oh, God, now we're collecting gold stars. No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> five American gold stars translates exactly to one thumb up. But I like gold yeah. stars. <laughs> Keep up the great show. Thank you. Uh, well, Thanks. thank you for the gold stars, Jim. Yeah. Uh, Adriel. From Anthony. Hello, Slam Fire hosts. I'm a longtime listener and a first-time writer. I just wanted to share my recent experience in, re- in regards to the new ATT rules and help the people thinking about early renewals in order to get the new card and slip of paper with the quote-unquote conditions. After September 2nd, uh, between the information from the show and from the receptionist at my range, my ATT was automatically attached to my license. I didn't think much of it, but after cleaning up my range bag uh, and before throwing away all that paperwork, I decided to call the firearms office. And as I had been told, my ATT was attached since it had been before the 2nd of September. Uh, So I figure when I renew in a few years, I'll get the updated edition. Unfortunately, because of the design of my wallet, my license was slowly getting bent and my photo was faded. It was suggested by the guys at my local shop I should get it replaced in case I was ever pulled over while transporting my gear. So I looked up how to replace it and the fee was 25 bucks. So I completed the paperwork and sent it off. About three weeks later, right before Christmas, I got my new card in the mail, and to my surprise, anticipation, the card had been updated with the new stamp stating both standard and non-standard conditions attached to this license, along with the slip listing the conditions. I'm not kidding, 25 bucks. I looked it up, and it's $80 to renew an RPAL, and to my understanding, there was a rush of people doing early renewals. I haven't had to do a renewal yet, but I'm sure the paperwork is more lengthy than the damaged card replacement form, uh, which I filled out in my car outside of the post office in under a minute. Plus, by going this route, you save 55 bucks. Again, just like, felt like sharing this for anyone still on the fence about doing an early renewal for the updated license. Thanks again and for all the effort you guys put into the show. Believe it or not, uh, I and my friends actually enjoy the politics segments of the show whenever you guys do them. Because of the information put forward by the show, I am a paid member of both the CSSA and the newly formed CCFR and will support anyone or any organization fighting the good fight in support of our collective rights. Regards, Anthony from Toronto. And he's got one PS written on an iPhone. Don't judge me. That was pretty good for written on an iPhone. Yeah, pretty good indeed. Uh, PPS, any tips or tricks for starting an AR build? Shop around, shop around, shop around. If you're not in a hurry, you can wait for things to come on sale. Or used. 
there's some huge deals you can get used on CGN right now. I mean, our our uh, the Canadian to the American dollar is is awful. So there's a lot of people out there who have um, used stuff that's in good condition that they bought when the the Canadian dollar was better. Um, that they might be selling based on what they remember their pricing to be. Mm-hmm. Um, than, uh, what I'd like to know. Uh, sorry, Trevor, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. Other than that, I've got a DVD I can recommend if you've uh, have no experience and. Um, uh, would like to build your own, and that's building your AR-15 from scratch, uh, complete step-by-step for building your AR-15, and it is put out by um, Landy McGill Productions, and it's very detailed and um, makes it, you know, it's not intimidating at all once you've watched this DVD. Yeah, ARs are Barbies for men. It's easy. Um, I prefer yeah, Lego I'd... for adults. No, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I just you'd watch some YouTube videos on it. It wasn't that hard at all. I mean, I yep, didn't um, I didn't too. install the barrel. Um, I think with the barrel, you need some extra fixtures to uh, hold it and, and, and torque it down and that kind of thing. But all you the lower stuff, it was all super easy. You don't, but it's definitely easier. It's easier if you have it, yeah. You don't need it, but it is definitely don't easier. Think we, when, we, when you put yours together, Matthew, did we go to Frank's that time? We did, actually, okay. yes. But we, didn't, right. we, we could have done it without. We there could. are ways to do it without. It is better, though, if you do it with the right tools. And the right tools aren't that expensive. No. Um, you can get all of the armorer's tool, tools from Brownells. Of course, the dollar right now is murder. Um, but between Officer Frank's place... And Muffin's place, they've got every tool needed for building an AR that I could ever need or want. As a matter well, of fact, it's a good thing Anthony's close by, so he can come by and borrow <laughs> My them. point, Matthew, oh, wait. is that if he looks around, somebody in his gun club may have the tools. That's right. Speaking of tools, um, I want to talk now. What uh, this, this whole renewal thing, you renew your license, yes, mm-hmm. that's 25 bucks, but does the date get pushed back on when you have to renew it and if it doesn't well then you didn't then what's the point you're yeah. just spending 25 bucks and then you have to spend yeah. 80 bucks later on the same date but if it pushes back your your renewal date by getting okay. a replacement or if you just got your license and and you want the conditions on uh, like the the included att then you could just right. damage it like oh my car got damaged and uh, pay the 25 bucks and get a new one that's still got a pretty long uh, renewal date and but also has the conditions attached to it that's right well yeah I, it's gonna you know they may just mail out the conditions i don't know i I've, I've got to wait and see because i i got to wait to hear back from the cfo but i'll let you guys know next week it's interesting that anthony had this experience too so now there's two of us all right this next one is forwarded from jason and uh, it is with deepest sadness to forward the news that Doug Harvey, founder of the CNSCA and the ambassador abroad for Canadian shooting sport clays, passed away yesterday, December 27th. He'll be missed by so many. Funeral services uh, funeral services passed by at this point, so we won't need to pass that on. But our sincerest condolences go to his wife, Beth, all of his family, and his friends. So thank you, Jason, for sending that in. It's always sad to hear that another gun shooter has, uh, has uh, passed away. Uh, This next one comes to us from Garth. He says, thank you very much for answering my questions. They were exactly what I was looking for, especially the awesome class on Comfrey. Perhaps you should start having a section called Comfrey Corner. Please, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks from Garth. And uh, he says, P.S., please let Owen know that I'd be very grateful for some cuttings come springtime, and I will send him an email uh, email to remind him. Yes, and Owen will just email you those cuttings as well, because that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, email a picture, print the picture, plant the picture. That's it. 
You got it. You know, cool. you 3D print it. That's how it works. Nice. <laughs> um, there's another one here from Sharp97 after this long one from Kelly. So how about I read this long one from Kelly, and then, Trevor, you can bring us this next one from Sharp97 again. Yep. Does that work? Okay. So uh, from Kelly, it's from West Coast Kelly. Hey, guys. West Coast Kelly here. I'm not sure if you've already heard that the Navy SEALs are going to be phasing out their SIG 226s for Glock 19s. Not sure if it's official. It looks like it's based off some random post from those, quote-unquote, in the know, but uh, definitely interesting if true. One source says that they'll be following in the footsteps of MARSOC, the Marine Special Forces, in adopting a polymer platform. To the best of my knowledge, the Marines went with the Beretta 92 back in the 80s, close to the same time that the SEALs went with the SIG. One publication that I read two or three years back indicated that the Marines were going to go back to an updated version of the 45 caliber 1911, they probably copied Trevor's 2011. <laughs> That's Well, and they should, really, because then it gives them a double stack of more capacity. That's right. Uh, but this is more recent news. Uh, but this more recent news seems to indicate otherwise. Uh, the Brits have also dropped their Brownings for the Glock 17 recently. The reasons given were that the Brownings were starting to wear out and had gotten more expensive to repair than replace. In addition, the Glock is lighter, carried more ammo per mag, was easier to shoot, was more reliable, had fewer parts, and most importantly to them, it was quicker to go from holster to putting bullets into people than the antiquated Browning design. So this is the reason why all guns should be replaced with Glocks, not just the high power. There you go. It's the same logic that applies to all agencies that switch. I also vaguely recall that you guys mentioned that the Canadian military was also dropping the Brownings for some sort of polymer striker-fired pistol. One of my friends at work, an ex-ERT member and current reservist, said that it was basically a modded-out Glock. Well, that's not the case at all. <laughs> it's not a Glock. It's uh, what, what, what was it again? What was what again? The strike, uh, second, second strike, second chance. The the arsenal strike one. Strike oh, one. Strike there one. You go. The arsenal strike one. Yeah. yeah. So it's not basically a modded out Glock. No, God no, no. no. So, um, but I can understand why some people would say that because they think that all plastic guns are Glocks. Uh, speaking of work, our police department went from old school revolvers to Breda 92s and then to the Sig 226 and 239. Not sure if we'll follow suit one day. One of the reasons for going with the Sig 226 instead of the Glock at the time was that there were some worries that the Glock was possibly more prone to accidental discharges during uh, disassembly and cleaning for some of our more quote-unquote challenged members. Mm -hmm. That's a shame. If for no other reason, I'd like to see weight savings on police duty belts whenever possible, as hip and back problems are common after an entire career of carrying around a backpack's worth of gear on your hips every day. Whenever we issue out gear to new recruits, I usually tell them that they are essentially the same pistol as the Navy SEALs, which impresses the heck out of them. <laughs> what am I supposed to say now? Um, that's interesting. The whole the reason why they didn't go with the Glock because of the accidental discharges. Now, you say during disassembly and cleaning, so that's, that's a whole other issue. Uh, I believe it's the New York Police Department... Uh, had recently switched the Smith and Wesson M&P9, and their accidental discharge rate has gone through the roof because people are keeping their fingers on the triggers before they're ready to shoot. Now, here's the interesting thing: according to some experts, you cannot train that out of a person. They have. I, this is what I am only regurgitating what I have recently read. Um, the the 
they went through a bunch of testing, a bunch of training with very experienced shooters, and they found that in high-stress situations, there was something that you will do unconsciously called a trigger check. And it's basically you want to make sure that your finger is still on the trigger. If you don't feel it, then you want to put pressure on it to know that it's still there. It's a psychological response to being in a high-stress situation, as I understood it. And so the idea behind a not necessarily heavier trigger, but a longer trigger was the advice. They said that short reset triggers were going to be more prone to accidental discharges. Innocent people may be shot. People may be shot unintentionally because of this psychological response to being in a high-stress situation. Um, And apparently, like like the experts, quote-unquote experts, said, you can't train this out of a person. So... That may be with more, uh, you know, looking into this more, with more uh, research done on this, perhaps if this is true, maybe this is a case for maybe the Glock and the M&P and the, the, the very light triggers are not the best thing. Now, like I said, it didn't say it had to be a heavy trigger. It just had to be a longer trigger. So that means you could still have a nice light trigger, but if it had a longer pull on it, it would give that person who's doing that trigger check way more forgiveness before accidentally firing the gun. That MMP still has a long trigger pull, though. It does. The the, um, the way, uh, like he says, uh, uh, Glocks were were uh, were more prone to accidental discharge during disassembly. Yep. And that's because you actually yeah. have have to press the trigger to take the slide off. And that you can train out of a person because well, you a just lot. have to make sure the chamber's empty. <laughs> a lot of agencies won't run the Glock or any other pistol that requires the trigger to be um, pressed to disassemble. That's right. That's yep. why you see the, like with the SIG P320, you can't lower the slide um, release lever if there's a mag in the gun right you yep. can only lower the slide release lever when the slide is locked back just that's like right the M- well, and the mmp9 is the same thing yeah exactly so you're 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 clearing the gun by disassembling it by disassembling it yep. you have to clear it before you can disassemble it that's so right. it's uh yeah you know i don't know if glock will ever go to anything like that but yeah, there comes a point in time where you're just supposed to not be a numpty. That that you know, and that's exactly it. And the, follow the rules. Treat yeah. all guns as if they're loaded. Well, I can't pu- I can't pull the trigger because it's loaded. Yeah. So I better you know. So yeah. the, I think the the, the um, MMP has that little takedown lever that's on the inside that you can use instead of just striking it out. Yes, you can. Yeah. Like I never do. It's but. it's. I think that that's a ridiculous thing. Just so that they could win some contracts. I that's think. Right. Well, the uh, the SR9 also has that. Yeah, but you can do it with your finger as opposed to with the MP9. I believe you need to use a little tool. Yeah, you can reach in there. Work. It's just lame, and you know, just just make sure your chamber's empty and strike it out. That, well, yeah, the chamber's well, yeah. empty because you lock the slide back you, first. Yeah, that's right. To, before you can even take down the takedown lever. So, yeah. But that is that is something that has kept the Glock out of a couple of different agencies over the years. Hmm. All right, well, he continues on. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I think you just did. Uh, Perhaps as part of a greater uh, show topic of does the military's choices influence civilian purchases more than civilian choices influence the military? Well, I'm sorry, we can't do that show just because the title is too long. (laughs) 
As for rifles, you can argue that the huge AR following in the civilian market is a huge influence on the way that the M4, M16, and C7, C8 is evolving, but that the AR's popularity would not be what it is without the military. And do you think this news is going to affect SIG sales? As for choosing the Glock 19 over the Glock 17, I'm guessing it's because the SEALs also do a number of more covert roles in their line of work, where the 19 would be somewhat more easy to conceal and still contain considerable ammunition. Anyway, story for the long-winded email. As a military history buff, I geek out over this stuff a bit more than I would over hunting gear. Sorry, Frosty. Although again, with the chicken or egg topic of military versus civilian, they are intricately linked. Another example would be how the Marine snipers adopted a variant of the Remington 700 during Vietnam, which in turn also fueled the civilian market sales for Remington. Great show, and good night, guys. I mean, good night, guys, from West Coast Kelly. Oof. (laughs) Um, What does he mean? So he's talking about rifles in one of the last paragraphs there, and then the last sentence in that paragraph is, and do you think this news is going to affect SIG sales? Be- there- yeah, because he at the beginning of the email, he was talking about how the, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe because they're moving away from the SIG, SIG sales are going to drop. I was just wondering if there was a SIG rifle that was going to be affected by this. Yes, yeah, the SIG two two. Five, five, Three. Six. <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely a link between civilian and military where um, the red dot optics on our rifles started um, in competition and made their way into military and then law enforcement, just like, you know, red dots on open pistols. Now we're seeing red dots on duty pistols. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. This next one from yeah, Sherman. Some, some oh. bit, yeah. I mean, the, the one that might look a little bit different. I mean, do you know a lot of people that roll around with uh, uh, Berettas like the, the military uses or uh, high power? And do you see a lot of Canadian sh- uh, pistol shooters using a high power? No. That's not because really. it's not a cool pistol. If it was a cool pistol like a Glock 17, then everybody would have one. Berettas. Oh, they're just <laughs> – like the military is just way behind on this stuff, right? Yeah. And yeah. the high powers are uh, – Well, that's the like thing with the military. The, the military has to – they buy a, you know, a million handguns and distribute them you know, to their forces – the, the members, well, they can't buy a million handguns every time a new handgun comes out. They buy a billion or a million, you know, Beretta 92s. Well, they're stuck with them until they all wear out. Yeah, service life matters, right? Yeah. Um, the Beretta 92, they're Adriel. Um, I've seen a handful in my Ipsic shooting uh, pastime. Um, there's uh, one guy that, you know, if he's not shooting a revolver, he's shooting his 92. There's at least... Two ninety twos that I can think of in my club right now, both Ipsic shooters, and a lot of guys started Ipsic in my club back in the day on Brennan ninety twos, yeah. but they got away from them because they were um, they're quite a complicated firearm with regards to working on them. Not you know certainly compared to the Glock. I mean Tommy uh, Tom Nelson from the Paracast, he he'll, he'll rip his Breda apart just as easily as I'll rip a Glock apart. But for the most uh, most uh, shooters the uh, detail strip on a Beretta is too much they don't want to go near it well and and the safety of the uh it's, it's a slide mounted safety on there right and and modern like pretty much all your modern striker fired pistols are don't have a safety they have the the trigger shoe or the the trigger lever instead and just simpler I, I think some people have an issue with applying the safety or or engaging the decocker while racking the slide on it 
But yeah, that's an issue uh, with a 92. If you pull back on the slide, you can engage the safety, and so you you try to you know chamber around, and all of a sudden you put the safety on in a high stress situation. Not and it just doesn't work. Right. So <laughs> they, uh, they they came out with a, a newer version, an upgrade, if you will, that puts the safety at a more uh, more at a higher angle, so that when you pull back on it, it actually wants to en- take the safety off instead of put the safety on. Chunky, blocky grip, but yeah. not the worst thing I've ever held. Nope. Uh, I can't get to the mag release. Um, you can't get to the mag release on anything. That's true. Hobbit yeah. thumbs. Hobbit I thumbs. like the ejection port, though, on the 92. Yep. Nice it's and big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like all the whole top. <laughs> the whole top. <laughs> well, speaking of 92s, why don't you bring us this next email from yeah. Sharp97. Yeah. He says, uh, hey, guys, you're still doing a great job. Pause for late. Uh, pause for late for dinner. Pause for late for dinner. Doesn't matter how tired I am. Some of these just aren't 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 proofread. Pause for late for dinner's comment. Oh, sorry, Matt. That's I don't how, know. That's how it's written. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> as long as you guys agree, that's how it's written, right? It, that's, that's how it's written. I, I don't know what it means, though. So, All right. Was I late for dinner once? Pause for late for dinner's comment. Uh, oh, sorry, Matt. So I'm supposed to make a comment that, dude, you're late for dinner. All right. So he's right. late for dinner. All right. Uh, last week, I think you guys missed the scene in Speed when I think it's Keanu Reeves shoots the hostage. But I guess that's not a shootout. Um, yeah, that is a very popular gun scene, you know, shoot, where he shoots the hostage in the shoulder. So shoots he, him in the leg. Oh, in the leg? Who yeah, shoots it's the his hostage? partner. Oh, it's... Um, shoots his partner. What's his name there? One of the know. die, one of the Die Hard movies, he shoots the guy in the shoulder, doesn't he? Well, he shoots himself in the shoulder in the last Die Hard. There it is. All right, keep up the great stuff, and hope to see you guys around the charity shoot. Sharp so, nice. so maybe we were talking about shootouts, and he sent this email in late, and so I was supposed to berate him for being late. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's all I can come up with. So hopefully that's that's it. So I'll grab the next one from Justin too. Okay. Uh, is that email address actually Trevor's email or just a joke? <laughs> no, that's my real email. It really is. Yeah. Next, we're gonna give out a cell phone number. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> mob Trevor. Not that I'm gonna send hate mail. I'm just curious. Yeah, but you did send some really awkward photos that we needed to discuss. <laughs> You have said it so many times, I'm not sure. No, Trevor at Slamfire Radio is not my actual email. It was funny. We talked about this on Modern Rifleman Radio as well. Uh, I'm also going to listen to the Comfrey Talk Talk with Owen. Yeah, you enjoy (laughs) that, Justin. I'll grab the last one again because it's just short here. Sure. Tom just finished the last show and thought I'd send Trevor his one thumb. Make sure you hold it close to the mic. There it is. Can you hear it? So all the listeners can see. Oh, can you see the thumb? No? Okay. And enjoy my smiley face giving you the thumb. He also sent a picture of him with a thumb up. Yes. So, so that's great. So, so, Thank you. So that's that's an extra thumb? Yep. So we're, so we're up to one more? Odds again, yeah. Well, plus the five stars that translate into one Oh, which is one thumb. So, that, so we're at 71, and I think we have one from uh, an iTunes review. So let before I get to the iTunes reviews, um, if you want to email the show, it's slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now, there are three new reviews. There, there are no new reviews on the Canadian feed. And on the American feed, there are three. And I don't think we've read them, but I'm not sure. I'm going to read this first one. You guys tell me if it sounds familiar. It's from Boxcar Bob. 
And the name uh, is not familiar. It's okay. Okay, so I think I'm at the right spot here. He he says, uh, "Great show from our brothers from the from the north." So remember, these are the American the American uh, uh, reviews. Review. Yeah, there's the word. Love the show and uh, hearing the Canadian slants on gun-related topics. Wish you guys had the right to carry in the States, maybe someday. Four thumbs up from Georgia. P.S. Welcome, Frosty, to the show. You are a great addition. So that that's an additional four thumbs up. So that's awesome. Thank you. Sweet. We're up at 75 now. Um, so thank you to uh, Boxcar Bob for that. This next one comes to us from Trapper223, and he titles it Great Cast. Thanks for the great cast. Good coverage on a wide revi- a variety of subjects. Good topics such as guns, to tournaments, to news, and updates in the gun world, to even archery. They have it all. Some good reviews on reloading lately, too. Keep an eye out for squirrels around here, too. Stay classy, Canada. Please send us more geese. All right. You can have all the Canadian geese you like. And this last one comes to us from M.T. Islin. I think I know who this might be. It's educational yet entertaining. The hosts really blend together well and complica- uh, complement each other. Do we, Trevor, you're doing a great job. Thanks, but that's not exactly how we meant complement each other. Are you sure? Adriel, cool. you're doing a great job too. Oh, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. And, and your mic sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, knowledge is great, and they don't bullcrap their way through stuff they don't know. Did you know that the M16 is basically just an M14? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is so awesome. I'd love to be on it someday. Oh, wait. I already was. So who was that? Uh, Mike Islin. Oh, Mike. Oh, yeah. man. The Reloading yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He's awesome. 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 Thanks, guys, for the reviews. We do enjoy them. And uh, I'll get Trevor to compliment the rest of us hosts here eventually. That's not how this works. That is, that's how it works. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for the iTunes reviews. Please uh, please go ahead and leave us a review if you, if you want. We, we love our iTunes reviews. So, um, yeah, thanks to those who have, and thank you in advance to those who will. Um, Shout-outs. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, just a, She doesn't listen, but uh, shout-out to my wife for taking care of the kids. I've got two boys that are four and seven, and you'd never know it because uh, she's usually got them busy, and, and they're not, like, screaming and banging on my door and, and interrupting all that kind of stuff. So it's good to have backup. You're right. It's important to have a good wife to take care of the kids when you do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Trevor, any shout-outs from you? Um, yeah, Dirty wrote us an email, but oh. we're not reading it. But <laughs> We're not reading it, but he sent us an email, so thank yeah. you to Dirt McGirt. So, so there, that, there's your acknowledgement. You, you, you exist. You were sent us an email. He <laughs> was called out pretty hardcore there in Modern Rifleman Radio. Basically, uh, I think O'Brien basically said, we're only going to read emails from real people. So, huh. It's kind of funny. Yeah, so when, when Dirty creates a, full, a Facebook profile, and takes a picture of himself standing in a doorway holding a picture of me that says, shut it for a lot, and giving me the finger with his left hand, then we'll acknowledge his existence, and we'll start reading his emails again. Um, and to Jazz from Caliber Quebec Radio, he's got a show in the can, and invited me on last week, but I was, of course, I was in bed by the time he got around to uh, to asking me if I wanted to be on the show. It was way past my bedtime. It was like 9 p.m. or something. So, uh, but anyway, he's got a show recorded and, uh, he's working out the details to get it uploaded to a server or something like that. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have another Canadian program podcast 
like the Phoenix rising from the ashes once again. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I I was am looking forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, I, actually, he did say he was going to incorporate some English. Maybe like as much as twenty five percent of the content could be in English. Mm-hmm. So the rest of seventy five percent, I will just learn French. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Sure. Well, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that he's uh, up and running again. Well, you've done it again. You've wasted a good two hours of your time because this is a long show. But uh, it was two weeks worth, three weeks worth, if you will. So uh, to those of you that like long shows, you're welcome. Here you are. To those of you that don't, watch it in two parts or listen to it in two no, parts. No, no, watch it in two parts. You must watch this. You have to put it on your, your computer screen and put on that little... Uh, the little what, oh, spectrograph. The yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. You got to watch it, and, and, and acid really would help <laughs> with that as well. Oh, heavens. <laughs> you just encouraged the listeners. No, like citric acid, like orange oh. juice. Oh, okay. What were you thinking for a lot? Uh, LSD. Oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> well, guys, uh, please join one of our National Firearms Associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSA or any of the other ones that are out there. It's, uh, it's really important to support them because they do support us. And uh, with the Liberals in power, we have a big fight ahead of us. So, uh, you know, help, help out by becoming a membership and, uh, and donating a little bit. Please check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We have a forum over there. And uh, Chris Anderson is often there uh, talking smack. So you go put him in his place. I made that up. He doesn't. He's an awesome guy. <laughs> I, I just wanted to, you know, stir up the pot a little bit. Also, please like us on Facebook. I didn't check, but we're well over 1,300 likes on Facebook. And, uh, oh, updated. That's 1,341. So there you go. And we are now at 75 thumbs up and counting. So that is awesome. Thank you to everybody who has sent in thumbs. Those of you who have done this literally, please stop. It's starting to smell. It's starting to smell something awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for me. Well, I'll see you guys next week. You gentlemen have something funny you'd like to say to sign off? Oh, should we should we clarify, Trevor, the whole beach story? Oh, how you got shot. You shot yourself. We blew, <laughs> we blew stuff I up. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, can, you can stop sending me Facebook messages. Um, yeah, it was just fireworks. I, uh, I yeah, managed Fresh to... Check, Fresh Check Ventures sells fireworks, so Matthew... Who are the, the fireworks guys, a division of Press Check Ventures. Right. Yes. Yeah, so Matthew was kind enough and generous enough to bring a bunch of excellent fireworks, some of them commercial grade, to our New Year's Eve party. So just at the uh, point of the countdown, Matthew goes out on the beach in the snow because, you know, it's January in, in Canada. And, um, yeah, lit off a bunch of fireworks for us and, and made our New Year's Eve that much more special. So we, we really appreciate that, bud. It was fun, yeah. Well, one of them, one of the cakes tipped over and uh, and shot me in the knee. So it wasn't really that big a deal. There was no blood. Well, very little blood. And I even finished a show with, with just a slight limp. So, mm-hmm. you know, no big deal. Very little harm. Still hurts a little bit to touch it, but no big deal. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's the story. I'm glad we kept everybody in suspense throughout the whole show, though, because that was Honestly, hilarious. Honestly, most of them had forgotten about it. Probably. Yeah. Oh, well. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Find out the rest of the story next week. Ah, oh, dang it. We already told them the rest of the story. All right. Well, uh, shall we sign off again, then? Goodbye. Goodbye. Good night. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over,
time to get a gun.